commuters. It's a sort of non-aggressive, sort of passive stand, um, just so the commuters know where we're at and to, just to remind them that this is a residential area. The case of a woman from Hertfordshire who was given a do-not-resuscitate notice without consultation will be heard in the Court of Appeal today. Janet Tracy was fatally injured after a car crash in Abbots Langley, but the DNR was put on her records without her family's knowledge. The prison services to make it harder for inmates to qualify for day release after a man serving 13 life sentences absconded. Michael Wheatley, nicknamed the Skullcracker, carried out numerous armed robberies, including one in Royston. Residents living near the prison on the Isle of Sheppey are concerned. If he's that dangerous, then he should be under lock and key and not be allowed, allowed out. I don't think he should be in a open prison, to be honest with really, you, no. There's no way they should be out into the community. Well, it is very worrying. It's 60 years since Roger Bannister became the first person to run a mile in less than four minutes. In 1954, his achievement was compared to man's conquest of Everest a year earlier. Sir Roger was recently asked if he ran the race for himself or for Britain. I think I did it for both. I don't think I could distinguish, but there was certainly a feeling of it being a national event and something of a landmark for for the country. But it had to be me attempting it, so it was entangled with my own uh, effort. In sport, Liverpool's hopes of winning the Premier League have suffered a huge setback after losing a 3-0 advantage to draw with Crystal Palace. It means they lead the Premiership table by one point, but Man City have a game in hand. And Mark Selby has won the World Snooker Championship for the first time. The weather will be cloudy at first, but clearing to leave a mainly dry and warm day with sunny spells. Top temperatures around 17 degrees Celsius, 63 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties dad pop where did that idea come from um it came from my, my brain bbc three counties radio's big tour of beds hearts and bucks nice yes neighbors very nice everybody helps each other so yeah we're not far from anything green really if you think about it all this week we're featuring milton Keynes. But milton Keynes is a lovely friendly brilliant place to live it's a place where you, you don't just come to shop you know, you can come here and just chill out with, with, with friends and family. It's all about where you live. The Big Tour. BBC Three Counties Radio. Dad Pop. Where did that idea come from? Um, it came from my, my brain. I just want to go and chill out with friends and family, but I've got no idea where to go and do it. Any suggestions? 08459 455 555. If you missed yesterday's show, well, it was a lot of... It was fun. We just played records. I forgot to bring any records in today. We're going to play more records from now on. I'll bring some in tomorrow. Today's show won't be fun. Have I got that right, Catherine? No fun today? Well, I mean, limited fun. L- limited fun. Within reason, you know. Fun's fun and that. We, we will have some fun between 8.30 and 8.35. If we're lucky. Yeah, if we're lucky. Bring on, two minutes of that will be taken up by uh, Lee doing the news, so... Coming up this morning, cameras on cops, commuters in cars, and rose bushes in bin bags. All of those things are getting people cross in varying degrees. Find out how, why, and generally what for by listening to me on the radio. <laughs> Across beds, wow. hearts, and bucks. This wow. is BBC Three Counties Radio. Ah. You're right, Kath. Yeah. Kelly was my producer yesterday. I know. She was good. She is good. No, no, she was good. Oh. Huh? 
It might be good today. Well. We'll see. But, well, you were good yesterday. Yeah. Hmm? Um, and I'm good every day. I don't know. What? So, Catherine, the pressure's on, basically, because Kelly was good yesterday. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad for you and her. No. And you, the listener, no, most of all. Radio miss- wins. You're, well, you're missing the point. What? The point is, the pressure's now on you. No, it isn't. Well, hey, come on. No, it isn't. Yeah. We're very different people. Well, she was good I yesterday. I have different gifts. Kelly has different gifts. You've both got great gifts, and I would like to thank you for those gifts. But um, how are you going to make the show... How are you going to grab the show back, Kath? What have you got planned for today? Uh, some things and yeah. some stuff yeah. and some ideas. Did you bring any food? No, I have some oh. herbal teas. Oh, for goodness oh, no. sakes. Herbal teas. <laughs>
Now, police in Luton are wearing body cameras in an attempt to protect officers and reassure the public. The trouble is, well, the cameras can be switched on and off at will. The police officers decide when to do that. It's a flaw in the plan, according to campaigners, demanding answers following two recent incidents of alleged police mistreatment of vulnerable adults in the town. In an open letter on the force website, Chief Constable Colette Paul insisted that innocent members of the public have nothing to fear. Well, this Luton resident thought that that was fair enough. Uh, I'd rather see the police feel safe when they walk in the streets, when they look after us, because there are some people out there who will do things that other people would not do. And not everywhere in Luton you've got CCTV cameras. Not everywhere in Luton is a safe place. It's a lovely town. I love my town. I won't leave anywhere else. But... I just want everyone to be protected, and one of them is the police. So you would know, then, if police are wearing cameras, that they're protected, but also would you feel a bit more protected as well? Yes, I'll give you an example. If I was in a scuffle with somebody, and I'm the innocent victim, having a camera there would either lessen the tension, or you may record something that could be given as evidence later. Oh, keen to get your thoughts on this. Police wearing body cameras, good idea. 08459 555555. Let's speak now to Bernard Ricks from Bedfordshire, an advisor to the police and has written reports for the Home Office on Policing. Morning, Bernard. Good morning, Ian. Uh, police wearing cameras, is that the way forward? I think it's helpful. It means that there are many more occasions when the uh, evidence will be there uh, and uh, very clear, um, both video and audio. And uh, there, there are many instances where you can actually think that actually that would have been helpful, not least uh, recent incidents in Downing Street where... Um, the dispute is over what was said. Uh, if there'd been a video camera there worn by the officer, that would never have been, have been disputed. The problem I see with this is the fact that the police officers can turn them on and off when they want. So, extreme example, uh, a police officer, you know, wants to rough up a young lad. It doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. They can turn it off and then turn it on when they finished. Well, that's a very good point, and your, the interview that you held with the, the chap in Luton brought out some of those issues as well. Um, the, these are new pieces of equipment. They're not in widespread use across the country yet. There are trials going on, for example, in Essex that are run by the College of Policing that will find out more about how they're used. But I, I think it's a very good question. Um, doesn't it create an issue by, being able to, by the police officer being able to turn them on and off? Although you can see that there are certain circumstances under which, uh, for their own privacy, the officer um, back in the, the restroom, shall we say, would want them to be turned off. This has kind of been snuck out in Luton. There have been big campaigns over the last six months or so because of various incidents for the police to be wearing cameras. And then we sort of heard last week rumours that it, it, it happened a couple of weeks ago. Why do you think they've, they've not made a big song and dance about it? Well, I, I think that um, there are some aspects of... Um, public engagement where Bedfordshire police have a little to learn. I personally have a bit of an issue with their uh, inability to use social media as widely as many other forces do. Um, so I, I, this is perhaps one of those instances where a Bedfordshire police, by being more open as to what they were planning and what they were doing, actually could have, have um, dealt with the public interest that little bit better. Are there any downsides to this, Bernard? There, there, there will be some, I, I imagine, civil liberties group. I imagine, I don't know, I imagine Big Brother Watch might have a problem with this. The fact that, uh, that if the police speak to us, we will be filmed whether we like it or not. Well, in the very early days, the police officers themselves were concerned about uh, wearing 
body cams, and, and there are various different types of body cams, by the way, um, they were concerned that this meant that they were going to be tracked um, um, with their precise location given back to uh, the force throughout the day. Now, in fact, that uh, concern was very quickly overcome. They, um, police officers as individuals realised that um, the camera very often diffused the situation that um, somebody who was perhaps uh, instinctively violent to, to police would realise that the camera was there on the police officer, they'd be less inclined to uh, be violent towards the police officer. So there are some very good, very helpful ways in which this can uh, improve uh, the the uh, ability of the police officer and of the member of the public to prove what happened. That's an interesting point. I hadn't thought of the, the, the fact that um, what could turn into a, a, a member of the public getting a bit aggressive could be calmed down by the police simply going, look, you're being filmed, mate. Just, you know, back down a bit. Absolutely so. And there are other uh, uses as well. For example, in domestic violence or dom- domestic abuse, where um, somebody will call the police to their house, their partner is being violent, uh, the evidence on the camera may actually remove the need for the uh, individual who is uh, being attacked by their partner to go to court with this. The police have the evidence through uh, the body cam that, uh, that has recorded the situation as they arrived there. Bernard, I appreciate your time as always, particularly this ridiculous time of the morning. Thank you, Bernard Ricks from Bedfordshire, advisor to the police, written uh, reports for the Home Office on policing. So, uh, Luton's police officers are wearing body cameras. There's pluses and minuses. I think, I think there are more pluses than there are minuses. I think that, that you could only be in favour of this. Can you? Yes, you could argue that it's flawed. The fact they can turn the cameras off when they want it means the power is still in the hands of the police officers. But it, it, it's got to be a good idea, hasn't it? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. It's a quiet start on the major route so far. The M1 looking good in both directions. Got some roadworks to watch out for in Great Amwell. On the A10 around the Amwell roundabout, there's a lane closed. And on public transport, Southern have no trains between Milton Keynes Central and Shepherd's Bush because of overrunning engineering works. That's also affecting London Midland and Virgin trains, where trains between Milton Keynes and Euston may be delayed by up to 20 minutes. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alice. 6.16. It's Tuesday the 6th of May. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Police officers across Bedfordshire are now wearing body cams. Residents of Bishop Stortford are launching a new campaign to stop commuters parking in their streets. And the case of a Hertfordshire woman who was given a do-not-resuscitate-without-consultation will be heard in court today. The weather will be mainly dry today with sunny spells. BBC Three Counties Radio. Next trail, short 30, 40 second ad, is um, labelled Kick Off App. Be interested to see what it's like. Could be a lot of fun. Let's, I'm going to press the play button now and you're going to hear it and then we'll discuss it afterwards. Ever wondered what it takes to become a sports reporter? Winters gets the goal for Oxford City. It was a lovely flash by Darren Bondy. The BBC's Kick Off trainee scheme can give you the chance to find out. You could be joining our local sports teams working two days a week over an eight-week summer placement. You'll record reports and interviews, research stories and write for our sports websites. But you're guaranteed league football next season and it was a terrific performance. There are places all over England, but competition will be tough. 
All the details and terms and conditions are online at bbc.co.uk forward slash careers. Final whistle for applications, Sunday the 11th of May. The BBC kickoff scheme. If you want to work in sports broadcasting, yep. there's all to play for. I love that. Now, people think working in sports broadcasting is easy. Look at uh, Luke Ashmead and Jeff Doyle, for example. But it's not. It's not easy. For example, Kelly Betts, um, imagine you're commentating on the football. OK. Um, the one with the spiky hair, he's, he's got the ball. He's passed it to the one in the red. Um, the one in the red, he's passed it to another one in the red. And he, I think, it, is that offside? No, I don't know what that means. You see? Uh, he's, you, oh, you, oh, Kelly, stop now. Oh, oh did I swear? She, no, you didn't. But oh. she's, got a, she's got a right cob on, I know. she? I wish it was yesterday again. I thought you meant... Yeah, no, you're, you're right, Catherine. Well done. Yeah, stop oh, it, you Kelly. You change your tone just because you walked back down. in the room. You're letting the side down, Kels. Well, offside down. When the ball is played forward in the other side's half, there must be at least two defenders in front of them between them and the goal. One of them is usually the goalkeeper. Who is she? I'm a sports reporter's daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, she is. She is. You make me feel so young. You make me feel so spring has sprung. And every time I see you grin, I'm such a happy individual. The moment that you speak, I want to go play hide and seek. I want to go and bounce the moon just like a toy balloon. You and I are just like a couple of tots. Running across a meadow Picking up lots of forget-me-nots You make me feel so young You make me feel there are songs to be sung Bells to be rung And a wonderful fling to be flung And even when I'm old and gray I'm gonna feel the way I do make me feel so young You make me feel so spring has sprung And every time I see you grin I'm such a happy individual The moment that you speak I want to go and play hide and seek I want to go and bounce the moon Just like a toy balloon Oh, sorry, it's still going on a route. You make me feel so young. Okay, 
So we are discussing. Um, um, are we allowed to discuss this yeah, on air? I okay, so. we are. We are going next week to what used to be the Sony Awards. They will always be the Sony Awards in my mind, but they're not now. I don't That's know. what's going to make us sound like old old giffers. Okay, now we are up for a couple of words, um, but we don't know what to wear. Now I was going to go simple tuxedo, mm-hmm. um, and then you went. You mean dinner jacket? What's the difference? American. Mine's from America. Is it? No. It's what, from, ruffle shirt and a... Moss bros. Uh, but you said, oh, they don't wear that anymore. Well, I kind of checked out what other people wore last year because yeah. when I went years and years ago, just as a tagger on, I wasn't up for anything, yeah. um, it was very, you know, evening dress, yeah. dinner jacket. Looking now, it seems that the cocktail dress lounge suit is uh, Well, I mean, some of, these some of these people haven't made the effort. The only I'm people... wash some of them. The only people that have made effort are the old school. Humphreys... O'Leary, Parks, th- those have made the effort and they've gone tuxedo for the gentlemen. I mean, the women have all dressed like, you know, they've just come down from the market or something. What are you talking about? Kels, what are you going to wear? This? Uh, black Cardi- top, cardigan and a short skirt. No. Oh. No, mate, um, you're not. You're not. Tuxedo? Yeah, that's okay. Right. <laughs> so, but is a tuxedo too much? I think you have to wear it with confidence, whatever I, you're I, wearing. I look. It's not got lights on it. It's not like that one out big, is it? When I say tuxedo, it's a t-shirt that's got a tuxedo oh, printed on it. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Mm. Is that too much? I don't think it's too much. I'm, I'm going for it. Would you rather be overdressed or underdressed? I guess that's the, the vibe, isn't it? I'd rather it? not be there, let's oh, be completely on. honest. Oh, come on. We'll have a nice time. No, we won't. In De- London. Dealey's coming. <laughs> Dealey wants to go to, like, Stringfellas or China Whites afterwards. He's been talking about Peppermint Hippo all when, week. It's not happening, Deals. Now, this is an important story that um, will, will affect lots of you, I'm sure. Most of us know the pavement outside our homes. It doesn't belong to us, of course, but if someone else parks there day after day, it can drive you nuts. Well, that's exactly what's happening in Bishop Stortford, where commuters have started leaving their cars in residential areas rather than paying to park at the station. Now, I know what you're thinking, annoying but tough. But what if I told you the residents don't have any off-road parking? Huh? Boyle's been... Boyle. Cat- <laughs> <laughs> how, how rude. How over, overly familiar. My how typical. Pro- my producer, Catherine Boyle, has been looking into this. Catherine, what impact is this having on the residents? Well, I live in a commuter town too, and you could swap the name Bishop Stortford with many others across the three counties and find the same thing happening. People avoiding um, those parking payments. The thing is about this, uh, that makes this one different, is that people who live in Bishop Stortford, where the commuters are parking, don't have driveways to park their own cars on. So there is a real battle going on here. It also means that residential streets are becoming very congested indeed, and the bin men and delivery lorries are being blocked from getting through. Mm. In fact, we've been told about one occasion where the bin men couldn't get through for six weeks. So rubbish was just left to pile up. And uh, after the conversations we've been having lately about rats, residents were worried about more than just the smell. Well, I think I know the answer to this, but why aren't the train commuters parking elsewhere? Well, residents have told us that the car park at the station is for season ticket holders only, and car parking charges around the centre of Bishop Stortford have shot up recently. And um, Also, some of the car parks have had flats built on oh, them, so there, there are even fewer places to go. So all this means that commuters are taking advantage of free parking outside residents homes. Look, uh, no one owns the street. Everyone uh, owns the street. I'm keen to get your thoughts on this, dear listener. Whose sympathy uh, is... Uh, are you winning? Uh, I can't speak today. Whose side are you on, is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. Are you on the side of the residents uh, who think, yeah, no, of course people shouldn't be parking in their streets, or are you thinking, tough luck? 
there are no rules, there are no lines there. People can park where they want. They have already received some publicity from their uh, campaigning, haven't they? Yeah, they were on BBC's uh, Parking Mad last week. Residents have been putting up signs to challenge commuters who leave their cars outside their homes. Helen lives in South Mill Road and she explained the thinking behind the posters on the programme. We've made up the posters and we're hoping they'll be able to put them in the front and back of their, their cars so it'll be seen from all angles. It's a sort of non-aggressive, sort of passive stand um, just so the commuters know where we're at and to, just to remind them that this is a residential area and hopefully they could remember to park in the station car park or the town car park or anywhere else rather than South Mill Road. It's a nice idea. That ain't going to work. No, money uh, talks, doesn't it? Any word on a more permanent solution? Residents want the council to consider bringing in permit spaces for residents but they don't know when or if indeed that will ever happen. We've spoken to East Hearts District Council who say that they are aware of the parking pressures and have allocated funding for the possible implementation of a resident permit parking scheme in the area but they say surveys and consultations will be needed first which will take time mm. of course so it doesn't look as if the residents of South Mill Road and Mill Street will be getting any answers anytime soon Didn't we do a similar story maybe a year ago and someone phoned up and said that they had had um, they'd been parking perhaps where they shouldn't have parked or where people didn't want them to park and they came back and they found how can I put this delicately a poo on their car. What? Didn't I we, don't remember that one. Didn't we? Kels, do you remember that? Uh, sorry, I'm just on the phone to Jeffrey. Okay. Oh, not today, Jeffrey. Uh, not today, Jeffrey. There we go. Saved that time there, hasn't it? Because um, the embarrassment. For but people do get very. People get very possessive. Yeah. And it's that kind of thing. It sounds like a small thing, but you do it day after day and time after time. And if you can't park your car outside your house and the bin men can't get down there, then you'll get upset. Of course you will. And when you know they're not going to be back until long after yeah. close of play, I mean, they're going to be gone all day. It, yeah, I can imagine it does get... I don't understand why the council can't just go and put in a parking permit thing. Why would that take... Long? And also the council ultimately would make money out of it, wouldn't they? Because you have to pay for the parking permits. Oh eight four five. Thank you very much, Catherine. Excellent stuff. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Whose side are you on on this, please? Uh, are you on the uh, the side of the residents? You think it's unfair, or are you on the side of the commuters who are getting a bit of free parking? Because to, to park in the town costs an absolute fortune, doesn't it? We all know that. If we could all find. I've got my... Uh, you, you're still there? Yeah, I've got a thought. Go on. Oh. <laughs> Why is she not leaving? Would you be willing to pay to park outside of your front door? How much? Uh, well, I don't know how much it costs. What's, what's a parking permit for a year? A couple of hundred quid a year? Are they? Something like that? I don't know. I mean, that's London prices, I think. Or do you just get a couple of cones? People were big on cones a few years ago, weren't they? Cones were good. I uh, would always move the cones. Yeah, but most people wouldn't, I would say. Bins. Wheelie bins. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call on that, if you've ever encountered that situation... Uh, how did you deal with it? Right, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice Gloss. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 London bound starting to look busy in patches between Junction 10 for the Luton Airport Spur Road and 6 for the M25. Also on the speed sensors, the A1M southbound really starting to build up at Junction 7 for Stevenage. On public transport, Southern have no trains running between Milton Keynes and Shepherd's Bush because of overrunning engineering. Those are also affecting London Midland and Virgin trains, where services between Milton Keynes and Euston may be delayed by up to 20 minutes. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's half past six, I'm Lee Agnew. The headlines, Bedfordshire police are now using body cameras across the county. Officers began wearing them in Luton a fortnight ago and it's now been extended to Bedford. Residents of Bishop Stortford are pleading with train commuters to stop parking outside their homes. They say cars are blocking the streets, stopping the bin men and emergency services getting through. The case of a woman from Hertfordshire who was given a do not resuscitate notice without consultation will be heard in the Court of Appeal today. Janet Tracy was fatally injured after a car crash in Abbots Langley, but the DNR was put on her records without her family's knowledge. The prison service is to make it harder for inmates to qualify for day release after a man serving 13 life sentences absconded. Michael Wheatley, nicknamed the Skullcracker, carried out numerous armed robberies, including one in Royston. The weather will be cloudy at first, but clearing to leave a mainly dry and warm day with sunny spells. Top temperatures around 17 degrees Celsius. That's 63 degrees Fahrenheit. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Liverpool have lost their grip on the title race after losing a three-goal advantage to draw with Crystal Palace. Liverpool are a point clear at the top, but Manchester City have a game in hand and a better goal difference. Here's the Liverpool manager, Brendan Rodgers. There's no doubt I think Manchester City will now go on and win it. We need it to win tonight to have any sort of chance to keep the, the pressure on going into the last game. Uh, and we didn't do that. It's, it's bitterly disappointing. St Albans City beat Chesham United 3-1 in the Southern Premier Playoff final. It means City are promoted to Conference South alongside champions Hemel Hempstead. Wickham Wanderers remain in League Two following Saturday's 3-0 win at Torquay. Wanderers manager Gareth Ainsworth says he's proud of his club's achievements. This club, with the history it's got of the FA Cups, the Wembley appearances, the Vars and, and all the, the League Cup semi-finals, this is just brilliant to add to that. You know what, what a day and what a day that fans have had. You know, and I'm so proud to have played a part in it. Mark Selby has won the Snooker World Championship for the first time. He beat Ronnie O'Sullivan by 18 frames to 14 at the Crucible. Afterwards, Selby dedicated the win to his late father. My father passed away, died with cancer when I was 16, just before I turned professional, uh, two months before I turned professional. And his last words to me was, obviously, I want you to become world champion. And I said to him, I will do one day. It's just a matter of when, not if. Uh, and, and thankfully, today has come. And that's BBC Three Counties News and Sport. We've more at seven o'clock. Call 08459 555 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. <laughs> I caught you. What are you doing in there, you two? What? Nothing. You do, you're, just, you're doing synchronised clapping. You're not watching Good Morning, This Is Britain again, are no, you? No, no, no. Are you sure? Yes. Why are you, why are you yes, fiddling yes. with the TV controller? I'm not, not, not. You are, are, are. You get me doing it now. I'm going to play a song from a compact disc. We had such fun playing records yesterday, I've decided not to bring any in. Oh, oh, how do I... I can hear the Charlotte woman from Good Morning, This Is Britain. Turn it off! She is brilliant, though, isn't she? She's great. Turn it off. She's a vicar's daughter. They cover such interesting things. Yeah. There's there's Ben Ben Shepard. 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 His tie. Right, OK. Right, you you carry on watching that. Right, OK, go away. So, this is my boys, my eldest... Listen, this is my eldest boys... He has got one of those faces. This is my eldest boys... Favourite. She does look lovely. This though. is my eldest boy's oh, sorry, sorry, favourite new song. It's by Paul Revere and the Raiders. Heard of those? No. I know Paul Revere is the one who said, The English are coming. Yeah, well, they're, then, then they're. Still, he's still recording, is he? They were also a band <laughs> in the 60s who would dress up 
as soldiers from the war, that war of independence. The red, the red coats. They would dress up like that. They're in blue coats here. All oh, right. And they so would do synchronized. Red coats were the baddies to them, of course. Yeah. It was goodies. Okay, so they would do synchronized dancing. Anyway, they were huge in America they in the sound 60s. Great. Oh, for goodness' sakes. They were huge in America in the 60s. They never had a hit over here. Oh. But then I was playing... because of their controversial name. Oh, let me finish the story! So I was playing this in the car yesterday when I took the boys to the pirate park. And the pirate park? the pirate park? It was near where we live. It was a pirate ship there. Really? Yeah, a pirate flag. Oh, that's cool. And one of my... This is one of my... Fa- bell. This is one of my favourite, favourite things of being a dad. Telling off kids that are older than my kids. Oh, I love it. You do that? Yeah. Yeah, you are. When they're throwing sand at your boys, and your boys are four and two, and those kids are seven and six, you say, Oi, lads, stop that now. (gasps) It's so exciting. What if their parents are to say? They should be stepping in already. I'd make sure their parents aren't nearby. You're a bully. No, I'm not a bully. I just like, um, I, I am a bully. Anyway. So then we get home, and my... um, It's 3-0, it says, when we get on the telly. My eldest is doing, um, is painting a drain. And I notice he's singing this song as he's painting. Shall we? Yes. It's a really good... Right, Okay. Do it, and then... Do I have to pretend to paint a drain? No, listen, we'll do this again. So have you been playing him this song, and then he was singing it? So I took my boys... Just enthusiastic at the end. So, great rehearsal, guys. Let's go for one. I took my boys to the pirate park yesterday. Excellent. One of the great things I'm best at is uh, telling off kids that are slightly older than mine. That are not yours. That are not mine. Anyway, uh, I was playing this album. It's Paul Revere and the Raiders. Heard of them? No, you won't have. They were huge. Yes, they were big in the 60s. They were huge in the... But we were red coats or something. Yeah. Or something. They're huge in the six. Oh, is it? This is my eldest boy's favourite song. Thank you. Imagine a four-year-old singing this. This world ain't got no room for narrow-minded people. Now you better get ready, cause the change is about to come. If you got a good some good love, you know you better share it. He didn't sing that bit. Call through love. Oh, later. We got all get together. We got all get together. Sing the song. We got all get together. In this
If you're following me on Twitter, at Ian Lee, I've just um, tweeted some video footage of Paul Revere and indeed his Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> you think a guard dress is weird. Man, you should look at those guys. Catherine Boyle has joined me in the studio. You can join me on the phone, but you have to dial in 08459 455 555. Let's have a look at the papers. Uh, and just to say, great news, um, 80s movies fans, Axel Foley is coming back. Oh. Beverly Hills Cop 4. In March 2016, the film is being produced by the original people. Uh, we're going to take Eddie back to Detroit. He's also going to be in Beverly Hills, so we're going to have some fun with him. You better have some fun with him, otherwise there's no point. Who can sing the theme tune? Me. Go on. And so on. I used to have to play that on the Bon Tempe. Yeah, Adam Unsworth in my class used to. I had a crazy crush on him for that. He, I was only about seven. Well, I was a seven, gosh. I thought he was amazing on that Casio. Yeah, I could play it as well. He's a DJ now. <laughs> so am I. I'm a disc jockey. I've just been spinning some discs. Yeah, guys? Uh, there's, not a, there's not a lot in the paper today. I think that's the only story I've got. Oh, no, I've got a story. Here we go. Look at this. Girls. Um, the bras are so fiddly, aren't they? But they make your boobs look so pert and wonderful. You need them, but you can't always be bothered to wear them. Well, now you don't need to. Oh. Brits get miracle boob op. Bra under the skin. It's only two steps. One, silicon cups are inserted under each breast, one centimetre below the skin. Two, fine straps are then attached to the ribs nice. using titanium screws. I wonder if they chose that metal deliberately. <laughs> titanium, you see? Three British women have been fitted with revolutionary internal bras under their skin to lift their sagging boobs, says the sun. <laughs> I'm sure there's perhaps a little bit more to it than just lifting their sagging boobs. It doesn't solve one problem, though, does it? When it's cold, everyone's thinking, she's not wearing a bra. She's smuggling and peanuts. You don't, want, you don't want that. It's a distraction for everyone else, frankly. While, in, while traditional implants can droop after five years, the breakthrough keyhole method will keep boobs perky for more than a decade. Hey, ladies, how about we just leave them alone? Stop <laughs> messing with them. Aww. When will we ever learn? The sun's on fire today, actually. Um, my sister, who ran off with my fiancé and had his baby, is now my bridesmaid. Your sister? No, 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 this is a story. Oh. And the one, I'm not sure which is which. The, there isn't. There is. Okay, let's be honest. There is an ugly man. There is an ugly woman, and there is an all right but startled looking woman. You, see, you, you, you can see there from that. Now, oh, she's all right, isn't she? But startled. how has he managed to get one? Never mind two. I well, always wonder about that. The ugly woman, and I say that with the greatest of respect to all ugly people. God knows I work with some of them. Um, the ugly woman, there's a shot of her feeding the baby, and you can see her, her bosoms. She certainly doesn't need one of those um, uh, I I operations. And she's got um, tattoos of tiny, tiny paw prints, one on each booby. How classy is that? Hey, those old things right up. A dirty cat's been walking. Hey, they're permanent. Brilliant. Let's have a baby. Mm hmm. As the victim of a shocking double betrayal by the two people closest to her, Leanne Birch thought she could never forgive their treachery. But just over a year after discovering her fiancé was having an affair with her little sister, oh. the 27-year-old is holding out an olive branch. And it was the bombshell news that Sister Haley was expecting a baby with Jim, the man Leanne once planned to marry. That I've got no idea. Already, th three paragraphs in, I've got no idea it's like who's... It's, it's like Tolstoy, isn't it? So many names. Who are they anymore? You got anything? Yeah. 
Our very favourite poet, stroke writer, Alan Bennett. Is he a poet? He's a writer. Diarist. Uh, I was I was having a cup of tea with mother in Camden Town, and when my That's bicycle... That's Matt Lockwood, isn't it? It's the same fellow, yeah, right. who works on the show occasionally. Alan Bennett may be one of our greatest living literary charmers, but he also has little time for English writers. Oh. The playwright said there were no writers in England who could tell me very much, adding you... that it was a much bigger fan of American literature. You don't have Citing Philip Roth as one who he admires. He did concede, however... He was very ill, Red. I just wanted to do the voice. Now, we've said this before, and we'll say it again. Tall women with short men. Uh uh-uh, no thanks, get out of here. Uh, unless he's in- insanely wealthy. That's kind of weird. no rules apply. It's kind of weird, and we'll get people phoning up again. Oh, you can't say that. Well, you can say that, and it's weird, because there's a story here, page 27 of the Sun. Hi, do. I do. Hi, do. A towering teenager holds hands with her pint-sized fella after he popped the question. Elisani de Cruz Silva, 18, this is the woman, who is six foot eight... Show me a picture. Uh, ...agreed to marry five foot four Frankinaldo Carvalho. Carvalho. No, it's Carvalho. There's no I or E there. <sighs> oh, That's wrong, isn't it? But they're both very attractive and I'm sure they'll be very happy together. He, he, he does look a little bit like her child. She is she standing? Is she doing that thing they used to do with the anthill mob? Has she got like two other people under that dress and she sat on their shoulders? <laughs> the seven dwarfs. Because her her, hair, her head is normal. Her, that bit's normal length. She's got really long legs. Her feet are normal length, but then the bit under the dress is massive. I'm suspicious. I am suspicious. Hey, the Olympians are going to sort out the cycling um, dangers. What cycling dangers? The dangers of cycling in, in these days on the roads and that. No, it's dangerous, isn't it? How are the Olympians going to do it? Britain's Olympic champion cyclists, including Sir Chris Hoy and local girl, Don Good, Victoria Pendleton... Well done, Victoria. ...have written to their councils to demand urgent action to improve road safety and encourage oh. more people to commute by bike. Oh, so they're going to sort it out by writing, writing to the council. And having their pictures taken next to bikes. Councils around Britain, from Southampton to Edinburgh, will receive letters today from 14 of the nation's most famous cyclists. One... I'm, can you think of more than three? I'm, I've got two. Trot? In a minute. Let's just finish this. That's, oh, and uh, Wigo, of course. Wigo. And Four. the other fella that won after Wigo. Emilio Estevez. It's not no, his name. No, There's another not. fella. Anyway, don't matter. Four, anyway. Four, four. Imagine you, you get one from the one who's not famous. I've got a letter about cycling. I've got no idea who it's, who it's from. He says he's an Olympian. Chuck it in the bin. Anyway. Oh, here we go. We've got a list. Hoy and Pendleton are joined by the gold medalist Laura Trot, local. Trot. Uh, Chris Boardman, Dame Sarah Story, the Paralympic champion, and nine other cycling stars in demanding a revolution for commuters on Britain's road. Would you want to come in to work on your bike? No, I live miles away. I mean, away. you live miles away. Yeah. But could you park your car somewhere and ride a bike in a little of the way? I could park my car in the car park and ride the bike to the front <laughs> door. I'd be happy to do that. I could possibly ride into work if I wasn't working such ridiculous hours, uh, but, but I don't really want to. But, you come in all sweaty. Yeah, well, Scoins comes in all sweaty, doesn't he? You can always tell when he's ridden in. We've got a great... So we'll do the travel now. I've got a great new, a great story here about um, having it away with a robot. What? Yes. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M1 London bound, heavy going in patches between Junction 11 for Dunstable and 7 for Hemel Hempstead. Also on the M25, the anti-clockwise carriageway, heavy going between Junction 21 for the M1 and 20 for Kings Langley. 
On the speed sensors, the A1 southbound very heavy between Junction 8 for Hitchin and 7 for Stevenage. Then on public transport, Southern have no trains between Milton Keynes Central and Shepherd's Bush because of overrunning engineering works. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much. It's 6.46 exactly. It's Tuesday, the uh, 6th of May. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Police officers across Bedfordshire are now wearing body cameras. Residents of Bishop Stortford are launching a campaign to stop commuters parking in their streets. And the case of a Hertfordshire woman who was given a do not resuscitate without consultation will be heard in court today. Coming up, having it away with robots. But before that, let's get the weather with Kate. Beds, Hearts and Bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. For most of us this morning, had some rain overnight and still some residual showers making their way across all three counties, actually, for a time anyway. But the southwesterly breeze, it's quite fresh, are blowing those through quite quickly. Behind it, the cloud will thin, it'll break, we'll get some nice sunny spells. And by this afternoon, it should actually feel very warm. We're looking at a maximum of around 17, maybe 18 Celsius in the sunshine. Can't rule out one or two quite heavy showers, though perhaps a rumble or two of thunder later as well. But like I said, that breeze really pushing them through quite quickly. Now, Maximum temperature, like I said, up to around 17 Celsius. So overnight tonight, still some chance of a shower, but also some evening sunshine to enjoy. Through the middle part of the night, it should be dry, but then our next band of quite heavy showers arrives through the early hours of tomorrow morning. But the cloud, the wind, which we're hanging on to, and the rain keeps things relatively mild. Minimum down to around 8 or 9 Celsius. A bright, dry start tomorrow, but scattered showers moving in, some heavy ones mixed in there. And we're also hanging on to this strong southwesterly breeze through Wednesday. Maximum temperature a bit cooler at 16 celsius that's your forecast no 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 that, that's I like that one. no well yeah but it's meant to go to a trail then oh that's every weekday morning the shop didn't want to give me them back so i went to the shop paid them a fee to get my cylinders back the jvs show fights for your rights and tackles your consumer problems i went to speak to this company and I asked them what had happened. It took me absolutely ages to get through to anyone. If you need our help, email jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. After I left discussion about my cylinders, the, the governing body showed up at my house on the following day. And we could do the same for you. Thanks, Denise. And for the company for getting her cooker back up and running, here's your horn. The JVS Show. Weekday mornings from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. We're just talking, that there's a story about 60 kids... Uh, all getting struck ill on an aeroplane flight all at once. And it's t- Catherine and I have been discussing um, uh, throwing up on aeroplanes. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been sick in a sick bag? No. They're, they're t- they don't hold it. There's a, when, it's, when it's compacted into a bag, there is a surprising amount of vomit. Two heaves and it's full. And then the bag is warm. Oh. It's paper, so it's soggy. No, the stewardesses don't take it off. You've got to carry that thing. You're responsible for it's it. It's your responsible. My daughter threw up just as we landed in America after oh, yeah. an umpteen hour flight. No one helped us again. I felt, you feel terrible because you've made an awful mess. Yeah. You're trying to clean it up with, I mean, we had wipes because, yeah. you know, parents. But it's just horrible. The kids, oh, we got her into the loo as soon as we came off the plane trying to sort of she was damp all the way there because we tried to wash it all off. It was awful. It smelled like Parmesan cheese all the way to Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, well, uh, when I took my sister and uh, her husband and my mom and my niece and nephew to New York years ago, 
Um, how old was Dylan? He would have been, I know, maybe, maybe Pepper was, he would have been about three. And he threw up when we got to the hotel. But the hotel were, being, were giving me such a hard time for various reasons. I was furious with this hotel because they'd muffed up. And he kind of threw up um, in the hallway. And we just wiped it up with a towel. And I was so annoyed, I just threw the towel into the stairwell. Because no one uses the stairwells. When we left three days later, that towel was still there. Oh. Still there. Nice hotel. Here we go. Brits love machines. Okay. Okay. One in six Brits... Careful. I know, I'm just... Um, I know what that pause means. One in six Brits would have sex with a robot in the future. <laughs> I mean, yeah, why not? A further 20... The, the robots from the future are hot, man. I've seen Terminator. A further 29... Then they kill you, like in um, Blade Runner. A f- and, like, Terminator. A further 29% saw nothing wrong with others romping with an android... But 41% found the idea creepy. And it is the same survey as that one, because then it goes on to say, the survey also found 31% of people fear losing their job Jobs. to a robot. See, that's, that's what the Times is um, commenting on, but the sun went for the... This is nuts, right? The last paragraph is, nearly 40% of people think machines will pose a threat to the human race. <laughs> what? Why are we building them then, for God's sake? If 40% of us think they pose a threat... But yes, I would definitely, if it was a hot robot, I would certainly um, uh, have, have sex with it in the future. I've in seen, the future. I've seen that Asimo that Honda made. Have you seen that? No. It's oh. like a little spaceman, and oh. it can go upstairs. I mean, at the moment, he's celebrating because <laughs> he can go upstairs. Yeah. I think it might be a while. What, what's at the top of the stairs? <laughs> little, oh, yeah, why are they teaching him to go upstairs? Little Asimo. Uh, have you got one more and then we'll do a record? Top 10 products your baby doesn't need. Yep. I, um, with first one and second time round, I realised quite early on that it's like buying, um, you know, you're going to get married magazines. It's the same thing every time and they make you feel like yep. you're not doing it properly unless you buy all this stuff. Um, but someone's done a top 10. Would you like to know more? Oh, is that a question? Yeah. I mean, yeah, go on, why not? Seldom used products such as baby washing bowls. The manual breast pump, manual breast pumps now. Oh, they're pointless. Oh, my goodness. You, if get, you want to you... feel like Daisy the cow. <laughs> With the manual ones, all you oh, get is a drop really out. Oh, it really hurts yeah. as well. Yeah. Oh, it really hurts. And the baby hammock. What? A hammock? Why would you get a hammock for a baby? Other items that end up gathering dust in the cupboard are the fabric sling. I disagree. Mine was brilliant. The swaddling blanket. Yeah, my kids didn't like oh, them. Oh, no, well, the, 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 when they were first born, the boys liked the swaddling blanket. I think your baby either is a... Um, I think like many people, my husband, if we're in bed together, he always has to have some part of himself sticking out of the Yeah, covers, yeah, I'm the same. Whereas I like to be snuggled up. No. And babies are the same. So if they go for that, then all well and good. I my have, kids hated it. I have to have something between my legs. Right, a pillow. Or... Yeah, a pillow or a bit at the edge of the duvet between my knees. Mm-hmm. Stop my knees. Well, you have got very long legs. Maybe it stops you seizing up. Thank you. Huh? Um, also, did you have this? The nappy bin. It no. makes a massive sausage of yeah. dirty nappies. Yeah. And we... you quite quickly realise that those things, they might be scented, but they don't take away the smell. Just bin bin them. We had a friend that got the napkin. The thing is, never go around Mother Care or John Lewis or any of these places with a baby expert. Because all these stores have got people that will will show you around and show you what you need. It's all guff. 
It's all guff. All you need is some nap. Don't even buy size zero clothes because they don't fit for long. Here's this as well. Most pointless of all, however, is a product that fails to have us jumping for joy. The baby bouncer. Now, the seats are brilliant, uh, okay, yep, because you yep. can sit them while you're having a shower and all that stuff and they don't move anywhere. But those things you dangle from the yep. doors, my kids never got it. Did yours? Not uh, without some prompting from me. Yeah, they had a little go, but I was always worried because it's quite a heavy contraption yeah. you clunk to the door. I'm and always it's worried with it's, hooks. Yeah, I'm always worried it's going to fall off. So yeah. they did it a little bit and it was cute for a while, but no, it didn't really do a lot. My intent did use it just as a way of being nosy. They sort of stood up and very slowly turned around. Yeah. But the bouncing didn't happen. If you want to give us a call on that or anything... Oh, we've got uh, Andrew in Bedford. Sorry, Andrew. That's right, Ian. You've been waiting for a while. What would you like to say? Uh, I think this uh, ridiculous that these uh, police body cams, they're able to switch them off. Well, the Bedfordshire Police have now got police body cams, and yes, they are able to turn them on and off when they want. Why do you think it's ridiculous? Well, I mean... uh, uh, if, if you're a rogue policeman, you're, you're just going to turn it off if you're going to do something that's, uh, you know, borderline against the law or against the regulations. I mean, with the technology nowadays, I mean, surely uh, they could fit a, a device where you have to re- request uh, permission to turn it off and, and then it's activated by the headquarters or the controller. It does seem a little bit suspicious, doesn't it? Particularly when uh, the police integrity is being questioned more than ever before, that they can, you know, d- d- flick it on and off wherever they want. Yeah, well, it's, it, I mean, it boils down to it. I mean, the, 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 as you say, the good it, it protects the good police officers, and and, and supposed that the rogue police officers are just going to be able to turn it off, and they'll come up with some excuse why they turned it off. I mean, I, I know all about this. My brother was a, a policeman for years, and he, you know, it's one of the first things they learn is is how to um, find out a radio black spots, and then all they oh. then, you know, they were in a radio black spot, which is why they couldn't receive communication. Oh, I see, Andrew. Before I let you go. Can I ask you one question? Yes. Would you have sex with a robot in the future? Uh, yes, definitely. I tell myself you don't mean
Looking busy on the major routes this morning. The M1 London bound heavy between Junction 11 for Dunstable and 9 for Redbourne. Also the M25 anti-clockwise slow going between Junction 22 for London Coney and 19 for Watford. The A1M southbound very slow now between Junction 8 for Hitchin and 7 for Stevenage. On public transport, Southern have no trains between Milton Keynes Central and Shepherd's Bush because of overrunning engineering works. That disruption is expected until half past eight this morning. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much indeed. So, the police in Bedford are wearing body cameras. It's been happening for a couple of weeks. They're filming everything that's going on. Well, I say everything. They can turn them on and off. What do you reckon? We'll find out more after the news with Lee. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's seven o'clock, I'm Lee Agnew. The headlines, Bedfordshire police officers now wearing body cams, residents of Bishop Stortford in dispute with commuters and questions about day release after an armed robber absconds from prison. BBC Three Counties Radio. Police officers across Bedfordshire are now routinely wearing body cameras. That's to protect officers and reassure the public that the police are accountable. Police advisor Bernard Ricks from Bedfordshire says it's an important step forward but there's still an issue about officers being able to switch them off. These are new pieces of equipment. They're not in widespread use across the country yet. I, I think it's a very good question. Doesn't it create an issue by the police officer being able to turn them on and off? Although you can see that there are certain circumstances under which, uh, for their own privacy, the officer um, back in the, the restroom would want them to be turned off. Residents of Bishop Stortford are pleading with train commuters to stop parking outside their homes. Helen, who lives on South Mill Road, says residents have put up signs to challenge commuters. It's a sort of non-aggressive, sort of passive stand, um, just so the commuters know where we're at and to, just to remind them that this is a residential area. 
The case of a woman from Hertfordshire who had a do not resuscitate notice put on her medical records without consultation will be heard in the Court of Appeal today. Janet Tracy was taken to hospital after a car crash in Abbots Langley three years ago. Jane Draper reports. Janet Tracy was suffering from advanced lung cancer when she was taken to hospital after a serious car crash. Her husband and daughters were distressed when a do not resuscitate notice was put in her bedside records. It was cancelled when they complained, though a second was later put in place after talks with the family. Addenbrooke's Hospital in Cambridge, where Mrs Tracy was treated, said a High Court judge had already ruled its doctors had acted in her best interests. The prison service is to make it harder for inmates to qualify for day release after a man serving 13 life sentences absconded. Michael Wheatley, nicknamed the Skullcracker, carried out numerous armed robberies, including one in Royston. It's 60 years since Roger Bannister became the first person to run a mile in less than four minutes. In 1954, his achievement was compared to man's conquest of Everest. Sir Roger was recently asked if he ran the race for himself or for Britain. I think I did it for both. I don't think I could distinguish, but there was certainly a feeling of it being a national event and something of a landmark for for the country. But it had to be me attempting it, so it was entangled with my own uh, effort. In sport, Liverpool's lost a 3-0 advantage to draw with Crystal Palace. It means they lead the Premiership table by one point, but Manchester City have a game in hand. And Mark Selby has won the World Snooker Championship for the first time. The weather will be cloudy at first, but clearing to leave a mainly dry and warm day with sunny spells. Top temperatures around 17 degrees Celsius. That's 63 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounties. BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. Yeah, I live in Milton Keynes, work in Milton Keynes. It's all about open skies, lines of wonderful boulevard trees. It's all about where you live. So we always come over here for a cup of coffee. Five minutes away from the city centre, you've got the countryside, but you've got all the London shops here if you want them. And all this week, we're featuring Milton Keynes. The big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. BBC Three Counties Radio. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots to talk about this morning, including cameras on cops, commuters in cars and rose bushes in bin bags. Find out what all that means in a bit. If you want to get in touch on any of that, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now... After the success of initial trials, body cameras are now being worn by police in Luton. In an open letter on the Force website, Chief Constable Colette Paul admitted they might uh, they might take some getting used to, but insisted they were necessary to provide a completely transparent account of officers' interactions with individuals, and only those involved in wrongdoing have anything to fear. Well, this comes in the wake of two recent cases of alleged police brutality against vulnerable adults in Luton. One of them, Leon Briggs, died after being taken into police custody last November. More on that in a second. But first of all, Justin Dealey has been out and about in Luton this morning. Morning, Just. 
Justin. Hello, Ian. Oh, you're there, Justin. Hello, right. Hello. Uh, yeah, now listen, you've been out talking to people about this. What have they been saying? Um, yeah, most people this morning, certainly in favour of this. I've been in Luton uh, for an hour or so getting people's thoughts on uh, these police cams. Uh, here's what people had to say. Good morning, sir. Um, police cams. What's your thoughts on this? A good move? Yeah, we think it's a very good move. So we can see if the police are doing their job properly and they are not more treating people, not doing racist activities and that. When have you been stopped by the police before and you yeah. felt that their attitude has been racist then? Yeah, sometimes you do. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you be standing at the roadside because, I don't know, whilst you're standing out, they will stop you because you're a black man or so and ask you, what are you doing here? Probably you are waiting for a train or you are waiting for a friend. And sometimes it really worries people. So if they are wearing camera, it will improve things and they will know how to do their job properly. So you honestly believe still that you are being stopped purely because of the colour of your skin? Yes, sometimes it do happen. Not all of them per se, but it, do, it does happen. So you think with these police cameras then, you'll be able to say to the police, look, you've got the evidence there yourself, you've recorded this you stops us for no reason yet again and, and they can learn from those mistakes? Yes, we think so. I, I personally think so. I personally think it will improve things. Very much so. Evidence for both parties and I think it's one of the wisest decisions ever. It, it works in America, so why can't it work over here? And you would have no problem at all with a police officer talking to you and you being recorded? No, nope, no problem at all. Well, a lot of people I speak to don't have faith in the police force. Do you personally? Yes, I do. I give them my utmost respect because they have one of the hardest jobs in the world because they got to protect us and control crowds and things like that. So I think they are giving the utmost respect and I know they have a difficult job and, and they have a, have a lot of patience to do their job. So people seem generally just to be in favour of it. Absolutely. I mean, this, of course, is something we have spoken about in the past. Only the odd person I've spoken to says, I think this is a, a ridiculous idea, because, as we mentioned there in the piece, this gives evidence for both parties. If you feel that you've been unfairly treated, that's been recorded, you have the evidence, and again, on the flip side to that, the police have the evidence. The only thing that worries me personally is the fact it's at the police's discretion when they can turn these things on and off. For me personally, they need to be on 24-7. If you're going to have a police camera, it needs to be on at all times. Justin, excellent stuff. Thank you very much. I can't see how anyone could object to the basic principle of police wearing cameras. If you do, if you think it's, I don't know, an infringement on your civil liberties, then do give me a call. 08459 455 555. Well, I'm joined in the studio now by Liberty Louise and Donna Sybotham from the Justice for Leon campaign group. Morning to both of you. Morning. Uh, Liberty, we've met before, and I know when we spoke before, your cam- your group has been calling for cameras for a while. Uh, when did you find out it was actually happening or going to happen? Well, initially we found out um, that they were actually already being trialled um, a week after mm. Leon Briggs died. Um, and it was only because... We said we, we want this as part of a, a measure to pre- of prevention that they said, well, actually, we are trialling them. Um, so we said, right, OK, but obviously we'd like an input into how they were used. So they have, they were being trialled anyway and they were trialled for six weeks. Um, and now, obviously, they've been introduced. Do you think the system they've got in place is good enough? The police officers can turn them off and on at their own discretion. Well... It's like, what's the point in having the cameras if the most vital of evidence and the most vital of footage is at the discretion of, you know, maybe the people that need to be hiding something? It's like there needs to be total transparency. And as Colette Paul stated herself, as you just said, you know, that 
there's not if, they, if you've got nothing to fear, mm. nothing to hide. So why not have them on with all interactions? Do you do you think that the fact that the police can turn them off when they want? Do you think that that renders the whole exercise pointless? Absolutely. Um, what, you know, if, if you're being watched um, and you know your, your behaviour changes, if, you, if you're accountable for that footage being shown and exposed in a situation, it shouldn't just be an evidence-gathering exercise for the police. It should be about public protection and, obviously, police protection. We're not saying, you know, oh, it, this is to catch the police out. We are saying it gives open transparency. Mm. If there's any false complaints against the police, for instance, it's there in front of you. There should be no problem whatsoever with it. Donna, you've been looking at the uh, details of the police's camera policy. What do you make of it? Um, right, well, I've got a few issues with it myself um, and, obviously, the group. Um, disciplinary, for one. Um, the fact that it, it is discretionary, is that's a big issue a big issue all interactions with the public switch on your camera that's how we feel and we feel the police should feel like that also pcso's and arm response units will not be using the body cams oh the fellows with the guns that's right yes they will not be using the cams so that is a big issue as well and pcso's as well they still have the same sort of powers as police they can arrest you, although, yeah. you know, and um, to be honest, I think it'd be a good idea if they was involved in that as well. Why do you think, because we, we, often when we get police commissioners in or, or heads of police, they're always saying, oh, yeah, we've got less officers, but we've got, we've got more PCSOs. We're really getting the number of PCSOs up. Why do you think they've chosen uh, not to put body cameras on the PCSOs? Um, I've no idea, because there, we, we do have quite a few PCSOs in this, this town. I know that for, for sure. Um... I, I don't know why they've they've chosen to do that. I can't see any reason why they would choose to do that. There might be some people, um, at Liberty, who mm. say, well, hang on a second, I don't want to be filmed. I don't <clears> want to <throat> be filmed when the police come and talk to me. I don't want to be filmed if the police uh, uh, have pulled me over. Why, why should I be filmed? What would you say to those people? Well, given that you're watched usually 24-7 by CCTV... Um, wherever you go, you are being watched. We live, we live in that kind of big brother society and, and, you know, you need it to be working on your side. So therefore, OK, nobody likes their civil liberties infringed upon. But if you're in a situation where you really, really got in a situation with the police or something need to be filmed for evidence purposes, then you would welcome and mm. you would be very happy that that evidence was on camera. And to be honest with you, people talk about civil liberties, etc. But... You know, you wouldn't be waiting uh, years for a conclusion on a case or having to go to appeal because it is there in black and white. So the civil liberties issue doesn't run because you're watched 24-7 by Big Brother anyway. This could be for your benefit in the long run. Do you think that if the police had been wearing body cameras when they detained Leon, do you think he would still be here with us? Um, I think that, obviously, in terms of evidence-wise... Um, it would have helped the situation. It might have changed certain behavioural aspects of, of what happened with Leon. Um, but at the end of the day, again, if it's discretionary, or things might get a little bit heavy or whatever, I'll turn them off. So, as much if the body worn cameras were on with a non with a non discretionary aspect to it, then it might have prevented what happened to Leon. Why do you think they've gone for this di- discretion? They can turn it off when when they want to. Why do you um, think they to opted protect for that? themselves? Yeah. To, to, really about protection. About all of yeah. that, to be honest. Because Tell me why. I feel like um, a police officer could wind you up as a member of public, and then when you make the reaction, then switch on his camera. Look, this is yeah. how they were, you know, mm. and this is why we've 
beaten them up or do you, do you, genu- them do you or genuinely think that that is a possibility i genuinely think that yeah i i've watched traffic cops and all that lot, you know and i've seen how they can be and it, to me the minute a police officer says calm down you're in a, a desperate situation with them and i think being told to calm down is the last thing you feel like if you know if you're in in trouble with them or if they are troubling you even so yeah definitely i don't i don't think as soon as you speak to a member of the public switch on your cam end of that's that's how i feel Mm. because any situation could turn into anything and i do believe that police officers will wind up members of the public liberty this was a big part of uh, uh, the justice for leon campaign group was mm-hmm. was the introduction of, of cameras yeah it's happened do you, do you think that the camp two things do you think the campaign group uh, is partly responsible for this introduction and what happens next for you <coughs> right okay um I think that they had to make it public that they were trialling them because we asked for it. So um, although a lot of people said, well, that's a victory, it is in terms that they've had to push it forward, but they're using an old policy on the cameras from 2007 that isn't relevant to, to things that happen today. It says it should be of maximum benefit to the police. That is what the policy, that is what the policy is says forward. now. Now... That needs to be changed, particularly after what happened to Leon and Farouk and all the other incidences across the country. Um, in terms of the campaign, we will still be pushing for Leon's law. Um, it's gone through the council. Now we're asking to the council to step up to their promise, keep their promise and take it to Parliament as part of legislation on the new policy. OK, listen, thank you very much for coming in. We should, no doubt we will speak about this again at some point in the future. Liberty Louise, Donna Sybotham from the Justice for Leon campaign group. Mm-hmm. 08459 555555. I can't imagine that there is anybody listening who doesn't agree with the principle, the principle of the police wearing body cameras. Surely it makes sense. It should protect all of us. What do you think? 08459 Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M40 London bound, busier than normal at the moment, is heavy going between Stoke and Church and Junction 4 for High Wycombe. Also, the M1 London bound, slow going between Junction 12 for Flittick and 9 for Redbourne. Problems on the M25 anti-clockwise. We've got queues between Junction 22 for London Coney and 19 for Watford. Also looking very slow between Junction 18 for Chorleywood and 16 for the M40. On public transport, Southern still has no trains between Milton Keynes Central and Shepherd's Bush because of overrunning engineering works. That disruption expected until half past eight today. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much indeed. It's 7.16. It's Tuesday the 6th of May. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Police officers across Bedfordshire are now routinely wearing body cameras. People in Bishop Stortford say they can't park outside their own homes because of commuters taking their spaces. And the prison service is making it harder for inmates to qualify for day release after a man serving 13 life sentences absconded. The weather today, mainly dry with some sunny spells. BBC Three Counties Radio. Original British drama on BBC One. You believe you are fighting for your country. Joan Livesey, you stand accused of aiding the escape of a German prisoner of war. I know how it looks. I swear on my life, it's not how it looks. You know you are fighting for those you cannot live without. It was just a letter. I was just asking if he was still alive. Joan's not a spy. She's just in love with the wrong man at the wrong time. The Crimson Field, 
Part of World War One on the BBC concludes on Sunday night at nine. I mean, on BBC One and BBC One HD. That's great news, but I do struggle to understand why we're advertising television shows. It's a radio station. Anyway, that's their business. Let's uh, keep our nose out of it. 08459 455 555. How would you improve the system of the police wearing body cameras? And there can't be... I, I, I cannot believe there is anybody listening who thinks it's a bad idea for the police to be wearing body cameras. There can't be anybody who thinks it's a terrible idea. It seems obvious to me that uh, the basic uh, principle behind it is a solid and is a good one that protects everybody, the police and you, the punter. 08459 four double five five double five. Now, train tickets. Oh, they're expensive, aren't they? And parking. Gosh! It can cost a fortune. If you're doing it every day, it adds up. So, really, you, you can't blame anyone by trying to get around the only one of those that wouldn't involve a fine and a criminal record. The parking bit, obviously. So, you find a spot on a street nearby, no yellow lines, no parking meters. Everyone's a winner, aren't they? Well, everybody's a winner apart from the residents. And Vanessa Jackson uh, is one of those. Good morning, Vanessa. Morning. So, Vanessa, where, where exactly are you? Don't give us the, the exact postcode and everything, but so what area are you? Well, we're near the road centre in Bishop Stortford. OK, and, and what's happening? Um, well, I can very much understand it. The prices of parking in town have really gone up and up and up. Um, the station have put their uh, car parking season tickets. Um, they've also built flats on two of our car parks. Brilliant. Therefore, people are coming and parking on the surrounding streets. Um, the streets nearest to the station have now been made no parking 8 till 10 in the morning because there's schools and things on them. Um, but the next streets along, which is where I live, have nothing, which means that people are coming home from work or doing the school run, coming back, and they can't park anywhere near their house. So, literally, the whole street is full of commuters who've, who've parked up... And, and then just got the train and, and gone off wherever they're going? Yep, they park up at all hours of the day and night and then just disappear. I mean, sometimes they get the train to the airport, sometimes they get the train to London. You know, the trains will be short for go everywhere. And we do get cars left for two to three weeks while people go on holiday. Gosh. <laughs> How, that, would, that would frustrate. How long has this been a problem, Vanessa? It's been a problem on and off for, forever. It's always been a little bit of a problem, but in the last five years it's got worse. A lot worse. <laughs> it's, uh, so where do you find yourself parking then? If you can't park in your own street, and, 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 am I right? You haven't got driveways or anything like that? No, these houses are, are, are pre-war. They're right. um, like terraced cottages and, and semi-detached houses. So where do you find yourself parking then? Where you do you have, have to go? Miles up the end of the road. Um, you know, anything up to a sort of a five or six minute walk from your front door. Um, have you or any of the other residents confronted these commuters we have and you know they quite rightly say well why would i park anywhere else mm. <laughs> i have to pay to park in the, in the station and it's it's five pounds 65 pounds um, in a different car park per day yeah, so it adds up doesn't 100 pound a month minimum just to park You'd save that, wouldn't you, by parking? And I, well, the, the th- it sounds like you can understand their point of view. I can. I can 100% understand their point of view. What, what the problem is, this impacts on people locally who've got small children, yeah. disabilities, and um, things like that. They can't carry their shopping too far. Um, or you've got buggies and lots of little children. You want to get as close to the house as possible. Therefore, people are then parking on the corners of Mill Street, um, which is a little road off of South Mill Road. And that means that that narrows that road substantially. Therefore, 
delivery vans can't get in. I mean, Sainsbury's can't always get in, and Tesco's and things. But that means if they can't get in, the bin men can't get in. Yeah. So the bin men don't empty the bins. Um, they can be anything up to... Because they do this silly two-week cycle now where one week it's your um, recycling, next week it's your normal um, landfill waste. Yeah. Um, so if a bin's missed, it'll be another two weeks before they come back again. So that bin won't have been empty for four weeks. I mean, they, they have been very good. We had a real big issue with this about a year ago. Um, and they now, if they can't get down, they do come back at the end of their round. So, you know, the bin men have been brilliant with that. Um, but it was a major problem. But my, my problem is if a bin man can't get down or a Sainsbury's or Tesco's van can't get down, an ambulance or a fire engine can't get down. Uh, people have been posting up notes, haven't they? Asking we people have. to be more we considerate. We, we popped uh, like posters in our windscreens just to say, my, my owner lives here, do you? Um, and uh, quite a lot of the commuters stopped parking down here for that couple of weeks. Oh, did it work? It did. Oh, OK. It's quite amazing, really. So we've sort of, We've approached the town council, we had a meeting with our local councillor and asked him could we even have some signage to say this is a residence area as a deterrent. I mean, you know, don't even patrol it. Even if there's a sign up saying this is a residence area, people are going to think about parking there. What, have you tried anything else? I mean, have you tried, you say the notes in your car windscreen, have you put notes under their windscreen wipers and things? Some of the residents have, but that ends up in big confrontation. Oh dear. Um, and obviously, we don't want to be touching on people's property, and you know. <laughs> really? Did, yeah, there, did people get funny about you you putting something under a windscreen wiper? Oh yes. Oh, forget yeah. that. Oh, Vanessa, <laughs> I'd, I'd tell them exactly where to go if they if they if, if people are always putting things under windscreen wipers. Oh, I know, but you know they, they're just like, well, there's no signs here. I can do what I want. Has anybody resorted? Do you know to um, naughty means like I don't yeah. know putting glass we, we under cars or bin, wheelie bins out? Down quite regularly. You've, you've had what? Sorry, we had a gentleman who used to let tires down. Oh, oh, no, well, that's very naughty, isn't it? Yes. I mean, to be honest with you, he did no damage to the car, no. as long as they've got a pump in the car. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, just an inconvenience, really. Just to say, we're going to make it inconvenient if you park here. It's inconvenient for us. We'll make it inconvenient for you. See what happens. Um, and I believe a few commuters stopped parking around here. Uh, you would do. Well, if you came back and your tyres <laughs> had been let down, you, you, you'd take the hint. I mean, like, we can't condone yeah. it, obviously, but, you know, but well, there is, well there done are him. I mean... One car, actually, nothing to do with the residents. There was somebody parked and went to the station and then went off to, on, presumably on holiday from the airport. And um, they left their car here for two and a half weeks. During the first week, it actually got broken into because oh. they'd left their sat-nav in the window. Oh. So it got broken into. There was broken glass all over the pavements. The car was then not secure. We phoned the police and said, what do we do? They said, no problem, really. It's been broken into. It's not doing anyone any harm. <laughs> um, well, OK, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the person whose house it was outside was actually trying to sell. Oh, no. So uh, that put all of their customers and their buyers off because it looks like a dangerous area. And I have to say, in the years I've lived down here, that is very rare. Anything <laughs> like that happens. The, um, you, you say you talk about signs, having signs saying it's a residential area. People could still ignore those. What, what do you think the, 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 the solution is, Vanessa? We, what we would like would be just something like no parking 8 till 10 in the morning. Yep. Um, because then they can't leave for work early. They can't, you know, if you're working in London, you're going to be wanting to leave at 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You can't do that if you can't park between 8 and 10. Um, just something that simple. Um, or even the traffic wardens to come down and ticket people who are parked dangerously, like on the corners of roads, on pavements, things like that, because they won't come down the road at all. You were on, the, you lot were on the telly, weren't you? We you were, were on the, the Parking Mad programme. We were. <laughs> what was the, what's the response been like? 
It's been amazing, actually. I've, a lot of people have suddenly been made aware that this road uh, isn't happy. <laughs> yeah, a, lo- a load of other people have been made aware there's free parking in Vanessa's streets. Well, Come on, guys. Yes, it's a double-edged sword, but yeah. the thing is you've got, to, you've got to jump somewhere to get something done. Um, if we just sat here and said, oh, well, that's OK, it's never going to get any better. Um, you make a bit of a profile, then, you know, I think it can work as a deterrent as well because people yeah. don't want to be on, on television parking somewhere no. that's upsetting people. Um, so there is those things. But there are other schemes we're trying to look into. Um, I've been doing some research at a, a website called Park On My Drive where people can rent their drive. Oh, yes, I've heard of this. This is where, where people advertise they've got a spare yeah. driveway and for like a fiver or something you can park there all day. Yeah, or even less, you know, if they can beat the town car park. Yeah. Um, or, you know, even the... Uh, if we can get rid of the airport parking, <laughs> yeah, nice. that would be helpful. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, if people are going for a few weeks and they could park on someone's drive for 20 quid, they're going to, but, and they, they know it's safe and it's secure and it's off, off the road, um, I think people would pay a little bit towards that, whereas, obviously, the airport's going to charge you two, 300 or something stupid. So, um, you know, if we could sort of help with that situation and perhaps get some support with um, commuters parking that's not so expensive... Um, I think it's because car parks have been subbed out. I think they're now um, NCPs or something, right. which are more expensive for some reason. I don't know why you get the same service. Vanessa, <laughs> listen, I, I can understand the frustration. I can sort of see both sides of this, but I can completely understand why you and your neighbours are upset by this. I wish you the very best of luck. Do, do keep in touch and let us know if anything changes. We will do. Vanessa, thank you very much. Vanessa Jackson. <clears throat> from Bishop Stortford. Well, I can see both sides of the argument. If, they're, if you're illegally allowed to park in a street... You'd do it, wouldn't you? Of course you'd do it. We've all done it. And you don't you don't know, and you probably don't even think about the impact it's having on the local residents. But if, in turn, you're a local resident, you'd be getting well naffed off. Where do your sympathy lie? The sympathies lie on this one, please. 08459 455 555 is the uh, uh, telephone number. Let's have a quick look at the three main front pages. By main, I mean Express Mail and Sun... Where's my uh, where's my mail gone? Where's my Daily Mail gone? Gosh, I'm telling it to my mother. Uh, the Daily Mail. Are you a psychopath? Take our test if you dare. Uh, and one in seven hospital patients diabetic, costing the NHS ten billion pounds a year. One in seven hospital beds is occupied by someone with diabetes, pushing the NHS bill to a record ten billion pounds a year for treating the condition. I don't know if they're um, against diabetes or for it. Why are you saying that in your son's I'm not doing it voice? <laughs> I hate you. Campaigners warn the eye-watering cost of diabetes is going to get worse. Well, who's I don't know what who they're who they're having. Campaigners against people having diabetes. Is oh, that right? Ah, aha. They are against people having diabetes because I'm Stop gonna, it now. I'm gonna read you the next paragraph. Go on. The illness is strongly linked to lifestyle factors, such as being overweight or obese, too little exercise and an unhealthy diet. It already accounts for about 10% of the total NHS budget, with most being spent on complications such as amputations and stroke. Um... So they're saying it's your fault. I know someone who got type 2 diabetes at the age of 11, and he wasn't a fat boy. Dis. Disgusting. Well, he, he doesn't do enough. Himself? Yes, he did. Hmm. He didn't do. It's his lifestyle choices. He was overweight or obese, had too little exercise, and/or an unhealthy diet. No, 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 he wasn't. Yes, he was, according to the Mail. 
He's costing... That 11-year-old boy is costing me £10 billion a year. I've never read an anti-diabetes piece before, and I'm surprised it's the front page. If you have diabetes, you should be thoroughly ashamed of yourself and stop it now. Stop it. You're being very, very silly, you diabetics. Very, very selfish. Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M1 London bound, really struggling in patches between Junction 12 for Flitwick and 9 for Redbourne. Also, the M25 anti-clockwise, very heavy between Junction 22 for London Coney and 16 for the M40. On the speed sensors, the A1M southbound, very slow between Junction 8 for Hitchin and 7 for Stevenage. Then in Chesant, the A10 southbound, queuing between Turford, at Turnford sorry, and the M25. Public transport. Southern still has no trains between Milton Keynes Central and Shepherd's Bush because of overrunning engineering works. That disruption is expected until half past eight this morning. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you. So the reason the country uh, is in debt and the uh, NHS is collapsing, it's not the immigrants. We all thought it was the immigrants. No, it's not. It's those dirty diabetics. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Half past seven, I'm Lee Acknew. The headlines, Bedfordshire Police are now using body cameras across the county. Officers began wearing them in Luton a fortnight ago and the scheme's now been extended to Bedford. Residents of Bishop Stortford are pleading with train commuters to stop parking outside their homes. They say cars are blocking the streets, stopping the bin men and emergency services getting through. The case of a woman from Hertfordshire who was given a do-not-resuscitate notice without consultation will be heard in the Court of Appeal today. Janet Tracy was fatally injured after a car crash in Abbots Langley, but the DNR was put on her records without her family's knowledge. And the prison service is to make it harder for inmates to qualify for day release after a man serving 13 life sentences absconded. Michael Wheatley, nicknamed the Skullcracker, carried out numerous armed robberies, including one in Royston. The weather will be cloudy at first, but clearing to leave a mainly dry and warm day with sunny spells. Top temperatures around 17 degrees Celsius. That's 63 degrees Fahrenheit. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Liverpool have lost their grip on the title race after losing a three-goal advantage to draw with Crystal Palace. Liverpool are a point clear at the top, but Manchester City have a game in hand and a better goal difference. Here's Liverpool manager Brendan Rodgers. They were always in control anyway. They, you know, they won their two games. They, they won it. So uh, I think we needed to win tonight to keep the pressure on. Um, so for us to. For us to not get the win, it obviously hands a huge advantage to them. So I would expect them to go on it now. St Albans City beat Chesham United 3-1 in the Southern Premier Playoff final. It means City are promoted to Conference South alongside champions Hemel Hempstead. Wickham Wanderers remain in League Two following Saturday's 3-0 win at Torquay. Wanderers manager Gareth Ainsworth says he's proud of his club's achievements. This club, with the history it's got of the FA Cups, the Wembley appearances, the Vars and, and all the, the League Cup semi-finals, this is just brilliant to add to that. You know What, what a day and what a day the fans have had. You know, And I'm so proud to have played a part in it. And Mark Selby has won the Snooker World Championship for the first time. He beat Ronnie O'Sullivan by 18 frames to 14 at the Crucible. Mark Selby with this black for the world title and it's there. He punches the air with both hands and shouts yes, the handshake from O'Sullivan. Mark Selby 
makes history. He wins the world title. And that's BBC Three Counties News and Sport with more at 8 o'clock. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. We only got one paper. We were so enraged, outraged, engaged, engorged by the uh, our hatred for diabetics. Thank you, Daily Mail, for pointing that out. How could we ignore those scum suckers sponging off the NHS with their illness that's down to a lifestyle choice? Disgusting. Uh, the Daily Express. A super pill adds years to life. New four-in-one drug will save millions of lives. Gosh, wowzers, I'm in. Millions of Britons should be taking a super pill that will add years to their lives, experts said last night. Well, why aren't we? Why the hell aren't we taking this super pill, for goodness sakes? Scientists are calling for the four-in-one drug to be licensed across the world after the most advanced trials yet offered fresh hope to people at risk of heart disease. The cheap wonder pill replaces the need to take a cocktail of drugs. Um... Okay, yeah, I'll take it. Fine. I'll take that, then I can live long enough to have sex with a robot. Where were you 45 minutes ago? For goodness sakes. Uh, And the front page of The Sun? Um, Miley Cyrus has done something. Melting Pot UK. Here we go. Melting Pot UK. A third of the population non-white by 2051. MPs warned not to ignore minority vote. Almost a third of the population of England and Wales will be non-white by 2051, a report says today. I can hear people at home shaking in terror, quaking in their boots. What? I can hear other people going, what? That We're not a third non-white now? It means the 8 million strong non-white minority groups will more than double in total to 20 million. The policy exchange think tank warns politicians will have to stop treating non-white voters as if they are one huge single ethnic group. Full story, page two. Page two. Um, so at the moment it's... OK. Uh, non-white vote. Well, is that worried? Does that concern you? Some of you will be concerned by it, I guarantee. But I, I wouldn't be that bothered about it, uh, really. Uh, on the subject of parking, on the text... Mark the trucker says this station parking happens at all stations and some of the numpties do not give a damn about how they abandon their car. Well, I guess the thing is, if they're allowed to park there, then they'll park there. There's no rule that says they can't. All's fair in love and parking, surely. Um, Phil says, can you let the lady from Bishop Stortford know that we do not have a right to park outside our properties unless a dropped curb is blocked, there's nothing she can do. Well, I I think she knows she doesn't have a right, but... um, Ken in Redbourne. It's a simple answer for police cam. Oh, with the police cameras. Police are allowed to turn them off, but if a complaint is then made against the police, it's automatically assumed the complaint is true. We've been talking about diabetics. And according to the mail, well, they're costing us £10 billion a year and it's through a lifestyle choice. Well, let's speak to one of those diabetics now, shall we? It's Bethany in Bedford. Good morning, Bethany. Morning. Bethany, you're costing me £10 billion a year. How does that make you feel? Well, we really can't help it. Yes, you can, Bethany. Can't help it if I'm diagnosed with diabetes, can y- I? Yes, you can. How? The ill. Look, let me let me read from the Daily Mail, Bethany. The ill. How old are you, by the way? Nine. Okay. The ill- I'm not letting you off though. The illness is strongly linked to lifestyle factors, Bethany, such as being overweight or obese. Is that you? No. Too little exercise. No. And an unhealthy diet. No. What did you eat for your supper yesterday? Um, like uh, cheese string. 
Oh, cheese string. Oh, since when did cheese strings become part of a healthy diet, Bethany? Since they didn't have any sugar in them. What did you have for your lunch? Um, um, can't remember. Chips? Was it chips and pizza? No, pizza, pizza and chips? No. <laughs> Salad. Who's that in the background? My mum. Is she diabetic as well? No. Whole oh, family of diabetics coming over here, stealing our no, NHS. When you hear things, when did you find out you had diabetes, Bethany? Um, I think it was three and a half. When you were three and a half? I was, well, I was going to say, so you kind of live with it all your life then, so you've never known anything different? No. How does it affect your life? Well, it's been quite annoying. Yeah, why is it annoying? Because I have to, every time I eat, I have to do this thing where I have to take blood out of myself. What? Ugh. How do you do that? Stick a needle in my finger. Yeah. Gosh, every time you eat? Yeah. Wait, why is that? To get like a sugar reading or something? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and what happens if, uh, what happens if it's bad, if it comes out bad, if you've got bad blood? Then I have to have insulin put into me. Okay. And did you carry the needles for that as well? Yeah. So actually, actually, the Daily Mail, instead of picking on people with diabetes, should be maybe applauding some people with diabetes for being quite brave and having to do something that I certainly wouldn't want to do every day. Yeah. Yeah. Do your friends, do your friends think you're a little bit cool because you have to take blood out of yourself after every meal? Not really. Oh, do they not? No. Are they disgusted by it? Some of them. Yeah, good. Well, the ones that are disgusted by it, do you go and do it in front of them? No. Oh. It's just an idea. It's just an idea. It might yeah. put them off. What have you got? What have you got today, Bethany? You back at school? Yeah. What's what's uh, lessons you got? Well, I've got mm, lots math. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Am I laughing because you got maths lessons, Bethany? I'm sorry about that. Probably. <laughs> maths lessons. I'm 41 in a month, Bethany. I will never have to have another maths lesson as long as I live. How does that make you feel? I wish I was you. Yeah, you do. I'm living, I'm living the dream life, Bethany. Apart from the fact I'm fat and old. Uh, so you've got maths. What else have you got? Geography. <laughs> oh, right. OK, wow. This is a tough day for you. Have you got any good lessons? Uh, not really. Oh, man alive. Well, listen, I'm sorry you haven't... You've you got a, a rubbish day at school. Make the most of it. Um, if there's any chance you could pay back the £10 billion a year that you're costing me, that'll be awesome. Has <laughs> is your, is your mum got a lot of money? Not really. Uh, have you got anything you could sell? Uh, yeah. What, what have you got you could sell? I've got a lot of books. Oh, get rid of the books. Have you got an Xbox or a PlayStation or anything? Yeah. You make me, you make me sick. Is it... What, 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 what have you got? Xbox 360. Oh, it's only a 360. No. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, well, put that on eBay and the money you've got, if you could send it in, uh, in uh, used notes to me, Bethany, that would be awesome. Bethany, you're a good sport. Thank you for calling. Have a good day at school. Thanks. Ta-ta, bye-bye. Bethany there, costing you £10 billion a year. How disgusted does that make you feel? I'm really surprised by the front page of the mail. There'll be people who've just tuned in and wondering why I'm bullying a nine-year-old. There's a point to it. It's the front page of the mail. One in, one in seven hospital patients is diabetic. It's costing the NHS £10 billion a year. You go on to read 
And it's not a, oh, isn't this an interesting fact? Isn't this a diabetes epidemic? Mustn't we do something about it? It's quite accusatory. It's pointing the finger. The illness is strongly linked to lifestyle factors, such as being overweight or obese, too little exercise and an unhealthy diet. It already accounts for about 10% of the total NHS budget, with most being spent on complications such as amputations and stroke. You dirty diabetics. Shame on you. Well done, Bethany. Good sport. Excellent call. Oh, eight, four. That'll, that'll make the podcast, Kels. That'll be in the pod. Pam's in High Wycombe. Morning, Pam. Good morning, Ian. Are you another dirty diabetic? Mm, I wouldn't class it as that because um, I wish the Daily Mail could get their facts right before they're putting on, on paper. The Daily Mail getting their facts wrong, Pam. I won't hear a word of it. Go on, what would you like to say? <laughs> I'd like to say there's two kind of diabetic. Yep. Like that little girl and myself. Yep. Um, there's type 1 and there's type 2. Type 2 is reckoned with your lifestyle. Type 1, um, even um, scientists cannot find a reason why it happened. So um, they, they should go and get their, their facts right. So the type 1 diabetes is the good diabetes. And there's type a t- good diabetes because I would give anything I own to, to not be a diabetic. You think, you think I like to inject myself and test my blood and cut up in the street? Pam, do you I have to? Like Pam, do you have to test your blood after every meal, like Bethany does? Um, yes, I do. And how long? Sorry, having a swig of coffee. How have you done that your whole life? Yes, and now my son has it. Oh man! And you? Sorry, did you say you've collapsed in the street with this? Yes, I collapsed at work. How, why, why, I know very little about diabetes, apart from what I'm, the, the propaganda I'm reading in the mail. Why, why did you okay, collapse, my, and my what happened? Is, my pancreas is completely packed up. Oh, blimey. Yes, and um, they reckon if I get another one, it could happen too, because there's no reason why um, they, it happened. If, if you, you have to eat the, the right amount of food to go with the insulin you take, so if, if you don't have enough, if you walk in and you're under pressure, your blood sugar could drop because you, you don't have enough food in you. And you, when you collapse, what, what, what happens? You have to have something very sweet or they take you mm. up. Well, I work in the hospital. They take me up to A&E. Oh, dear. Well, Pam, listen, I wish you the best of luck. Teresa's uh, in Luton. Morning, Teresa. Hello, Ian. Theresa, are, are you one of these diabetics that's costing me £10 billion a year? No, no, but um, I know about diabetes. Cause I help people with diabetes. Oh, yeah. And uh, as that lady said, there are two different types. Type 1 is when the pancreas doesn't work properly at all. And that means that that, that, that comes on, that's nothing to do with lifestyle. Okay. That comes on mainly things in children and young people. And it means that they have to inject themselves for the rest of their lives oh and have insulin and everything. And some people have pumps. pumps. Nothing to do with lifestyle. The type 2 diabetes is something that comes on later in life. Possible. It, that, that is, could be to do with lifestyle. And that means that the pancreas doesn't work quite so well. It means that the, the, the uh. type 1 means that di- the pancreas doesn't work at all. And the type 2 means the diabetes that right. pancreas works part. I think I'm getting this, Teresa. So what you're saying is type 1 diabetes is the good diabetes, type 2 is the bad diabetes, and we should all be angry towards the type 2 diabetics. Is that right? 
type 2 diabetes can be prevented if, right. if, if, if we have a healthy lifestyle. So we should be angry but, with type 2 diabetics, is that what you're saying? No. Oh. Uh, no, I want to be angry with someone. Well, no, 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 no anger. It's just the fact that we have to help people with, to, to lead a, a healthy lifestyle. Should we be... Here's a question, Teresa. Type 1 diabetics, I like them. They can all come in. We'll, we'll sort them out. Go Get a hospital bed away you go. The type 2 diabetics, should we be paying for their treatment? Yes. Even though it's potentially a lifestyle choice? Yes, but the thing is, what we need to do is help them to, to make healthy lifestyle changes. To make a healthy lifestyle changes, oh. to um, to help them to think. But people with type two diabetes, even though they've had um, um, perhaps the healthy lifestyle, perhaps it's not it's led up to it. Yes, there's nothing they could do to actually cure it. You know what I mean? But if if they do, if they do change their lifestyle, it certainly will help. It will help them, Teresa. Thank you very much indeed. Okay, so the Daily Mail is half right. We should be angry with the type 2 diabetic. I mean, the whole thing's ridiculous, isn't it? 08459 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Travel news now. Here's Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The A40 London bound, queuing between the Denham roundabout and Gypsy Corner. We've had reports of an accident around the Master Brewer, which is adding to the normal morning queues. Also in Kings Langley, the A41 is queuing as you head towards the M25. On the M25 itself, anti-clockwise, very heavy between Junction 22 for London Coney and 16 for the M40. The M1 London bound also really struggling between Junction 12 for Flittick and 9 for Redbourne. On public transport, Southern still have no trains between Milton Keynes and Shepherd's Bush because of overrunning engineering works. That disruption is expected until half past eight this morning. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alice. 7.46, it's Tuesday the 6th of May. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Police officers across Bedfordshire are now routinely wearing body cams. People in Bishop Stortford say they can't park outside their own homes because of commuters taking their spaces. And the prison service is reviewing which inmates are allowed out on day release after the disappearance of a man serving 13 life sentences. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. It's a rather grey and damp start, but already starting to see the cloud thin and break, particularly towards parts of Buckinghamshire. Just over the Chilterns, we can almost see the sunshine. We've still got one or two showers working their way through, some of those quite heavy as well, but they shouldn't last for too long as they're blowing through on quite a strong westerly, southwesterly breeze. Now, sunny spells continue through much of the day. We may get one or two heavy showers this afternoon, but it could potentially get quite warm, looking at a maximum of around 18 Celsius later. Now, overnight tonight, it's a pleasant end of the day, some evening sunshine, still one or two showers around, but it will dry out through the middle part before our next band of rain arrives through the middle part of the night, early hours of tomorrow morning. A few more showers as we head through to dawn, but that keeps helps to keep things relatively mild. The minimum temperature overnight down to around 8, maybe 9 Celsius. For tomorrow, sunny spells, scattered showers, some of those heavy, but we're hanging on to that fresh southwesterly breeze. That's your forecast.
every weekday morning from nine. Good morning, welcome to the JVS Show. Your local stories. Have you had to rebuild your life after being a victim of crime? Do you think it's inhumane to keep people in prison for life? Do you think that immigration needs to stop? Your local life. Why do 70% of this country feel immigration is wrong? We've actually got an open doors policy. I am just so angry listening to some of them people. What the government are doing, they start introducing American-type sentencing like 200 years in prison. The JVS Show. British people are not xenophobic. Weekday mornings from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. I, th- I think, I think we've managed to establish the Daily Mail is incorrect to uh, point the finger of uh, money spending and money wasting at the diabetics. I, I-, I think we've agreed that, um, well, it's a very odd front page of the Daily Mail. Why are they having a pop at diabetics? Why are they having a go at them? Because they're costing you and me 10, mil- 10 billion, excuse me, 10 billion pounds a year. Seems a strange group to attack. 08459 455 555. You can give us a call about that. Uh, or you can also talk to us about police wearing body cameras. A good idea? Well, here's a story you might be interested in as well. One of the things that helps when you lose someone is having a quiet place to go where you can reflect and feel close to them. For some, it's a grave. For others, it's a park bench or a rose bush in a garden of remembrance. So imagine how you'd feel if you went to the sit by the rose bush in the Garden of Remembrance and you found that bush, well, in a bin bag. That's what's happening at Hatfield Hyde Cemetery where David Colburn's parents are buried. David joins me now. Morning, David. Yeah, morning, Ian. David, so, so tell me what what's going on, what you found, what, what's happening. Well, we basically, in the, um, there's 192 plots and um, despite every effort by so many people, they've gone ahead and desecrated these plots. They've ripped all the rose bushes out. You have the pictures, and it's an absolute scandal and disgrace, quite frankly. When did you find out this was happening? Um, It was really sort of January when the first letters went out. Uh, We weren't given an option in that original letter to say that we didn't want the work to go ahead and that we wanted a meeting, etc. There's been no transparency. They've not replied. They've stalled... You know, it's an absolute scandal here, seriously. We've tried everything. Absolute petitions, Facebook pages. There's so much support against this. They've just not listened. There is no transparency. These people are arrogant. You know, the, the guy at the top I wrote an email to, the reply I had was, quite frankly, disgusting. And you're more than welcome to see that if you wish. Yeah, please do send it in. So, David, what, what exactly... Have they done? Are your parents... Uh, I'm going to ask some questions that I, I, I hope... I know it's, it's kind of close to the anniversary of their death, so I hope this isn't too upsetting. No, that's fine. Are your parents uh, actually buried there, or, or, or is it their urns? What has been desecrated, in okay. your opinion? What you've got, you've got a, a two-foot square plot. Yep. Both my mum and dad are interned. Their ashes are interned there. Yep. They assured us that the removal of the rosebush, which is... I suppose let me try and get this across. It is a focal point, OK, you know, whether you believe this or not, when I used to stand at my parents' plot, I would hold that rosebush. And I, because that rosebush went into the ground, okay, I felt that I had a connection with my parents. I can't have that connection anymore. That's been ripped out of the ground, supposedly without damaging or disturbing even the remains. That is just simply cannot happen. The pictures prove it. The, you know, the mess that has been made there is beyond, you know, reproach, really. But 
the nuts and bolts of it, I mean, I'm back three years now, three years to when I lost my mum. I was a broken person, okay? They have taken me back three years to that point. My anger at the moment and fight and passion against this is stopping me from just imploding on this phone to you, okay? We've done everything possible. These people have not listened. It is not correct. My parents brought me up. They taught me the difference between right and wrong. This is wrong. This is an absolute error. They've ripped these things up. Now, you know, we don't really know exactly what we're getting, okay? But the nuts and bolts of it are, you've got in place 192 plots. They are not regimental. People like me have put them in, in place, so you've got to, it's not regimental. They're going to put in a completely regimental, uh, you know, for want of a better word, mass grave type garden thing. When, these, when people are going to be standing in front of the new um, plaque, they're not even going to be near their loved ones. And let me say this, I bumped into a lady at the, the, the crematorium the other day who was in pieces. I had to hold that woman's hand and I, she said two things to me. She said, I've turned up here, I never dreamt I would be like this. She said, it's an absolutely awful. And all she wanted, like my mum, and this is what she was told when she purchased the 10 year agreement on that plot, was to be able to rest to die in the notion that she would be able to be laid to rest next to her husband. The response to that question when she asked it recently by the council is that they would try very hard to place her as close to her husband as possible. Oh, that's nice of them. It is. Isn't it? That woman leaves this, leaves this earth not even knowing she's going to be next to her husband. Why are they doing this, David? They're doing it, the official line, Ian... <laughs> is, you know, they need to create more space, obviously, for people that, you know, need to, 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 to bury their loved ones. And we completely understand that, and we completely empathise with it. But there is space everywhere in the cemetery, Ian. They started work at the, the entrance. Why not fill the entrance up first, see what it looks like, see people's reaction to what it looks like? Because I'm telling you now, it is not in character with the rest of the cemetery. Instead of just, you know, going ahead with this thing... The target date for completion is June the 1st, all right? These people have got to stop going on about ticking boxes and budgets and targets and performance reviews with their bosses. This is a, a human issue we're talking about now. You know, think, go back to some old, old school values for crying out loud and just think what this has done to people. It's just... Beyond, beyond forgiveness at the moment. What's, David, what's happened to uh, the, the rose bushes? Were you given the option to, yeah. to take them home with you? Yeah, we were given the option if we wanted to have the rose bushes. But again, there's a lot of people that don't even know about this, Ian. They've not been able to contact everyone. I've had people that have contacted me on Facebook within two hours saying they don't know anything about it. Now, without trying, I can find them. They haven't been able to. Those rose bushes, I can only assume, because you can't get any answers off anyone, okay, are either waiting to be collected or they are there because the people who own those rose bushes aren't aware of the work that's being done. Those rose bushes probably by now are dead. You know, they've been, they've been walloped into a bin bag and just left there. Um, so, you know, that, that, what I'm saying is it, it just shows, that, again, the lack of empathy of what they've done with those. 
you know, people were walking went down the exit saying, what, what is this about? They actually thought it had been van. One guy said to me, has this all been vandalised? That's what it looks like. Um, but they're very clever at what they say, what they do, what forms they fill out and times. They've done this so many times. These people think they are untouchable, Ian. Mm. I'm going to touch these people in places they never knew existed. Mm. And it won't be of a sexual nature, I can assure you. I'm absolutely going to fight this to the end. I'll, if anyone from the council is listening now, okay, it's very simple. The work stops now. You give us a meeting, a proper meeting, a transparent meeting, where you guys can prove to us that this had to be done. It's all about money, Ian, all right? It's a money-making exercise. They can, they can rake in tens of thousands of pounds when they start allocating these, these right. new plots. David, I tell you what we're going to try and do. Catherine, um, can we try and get... We can't promise this because they don't always... Um, well, they don't like me. Can we try and get the council on? At the same time as David, and, and chair, a, or can we ask them if they'll come on and, and have a reasonable, rational conversation about why they've done this? Sure, okay. And, uh, w- w- you know, d- 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 even an apology or something, or, or, or a, a, a sign of empathy yeah. would be helpful. Okay. David, we can't promise anything, no. but we will get, Catherine's the best person um, <laughs> to, to try and get them to come on. So hopefully we'll get something and we'll see if we can get you back on with them. That's fabulous. Ian. Thanks for your time. Thanks everyone for the support and everyone that's you know going through this you've got to stay strong and let's see what we can do david thank you very much indeed i know it's um it's it's i think it's a week after the third anniversary of his mum's death so uh tough times all around david i appreciate your time if you want to have your say on that Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the phone number. You can also send me a text eight one three double three. Start your text three CR. You can. There's a noise in here. Did you hear that? Sounds like there's somebody in here. Yeah, it's happening in here as well. I think that is there roadworks around. What's that? Listen. Not the, the not the typing, Kath. There's a large humming and then there's a bang. There's the bang. Listen, Catherine, shush, please, Catherine. Can she hear me? Yeah. Can you, well, then why is she ignoring me? She doesn't like you. Well, OK, could you ask her to stop typing? Cass? Yeah. Can you stop typing for a sec? No, I'm typing something really important. It sounds like you're just bants. No, well, listen. I can hear it. What do you want me to do? I mean, yeah, it does sound a bit like Fraggle Rock, but... Well, I, I was just checking that it was happening, blimey. Didn't expect the kind of Spanish Inquisition. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M25 anti-clockwise, very heavy between Junction 22 for London Coney and 16 for the M40. Also delays on the M1 London bound, looking slow between Junction 12 for Flittick and 9 for Redbourne. The A1M southbound also struggling between Junction 9 for Letchworth and 7 for Stevenage. On public transport, Southern have no trains between Milton Keynes and Shepherd's Bush because of overrunning engineering works. That disruption is expected until about half past eight this morning. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much indeed. Coming up in the last last hour of the show, it's eight o'clock. Well, you know, we'll be talking about Remembrance Gardens, we'll be talking about parking, we'll also be talking about the police wearing body cameras. Good idea. We'll talk more after the news with Lee. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
It's eight o'clock, I'm Lee Ack, new the headlines. Bedfordshire police officers now wearing body cams, residents of Bishop Stortford in dispute with commuters and questions about day release after an armed robber absconds from prison. BBC Three Counties Radio. Police officers across Bedfordshire are now routinely wearing body cameras. That's to protect officers and reassure the public that the police are accountable. But Liberty Louise from the Justice for Leon campaign group in Luton says there's still a massive issue with officers being able to turn them on and off. It shouldn't just be an evidence-gathering exercise for the police. It should be about public protection and, obviously, police protection. We're not saying, you know, oh, this is to catch the police out. We are saying it gives open transparency. Mm. If there's any false complaints against the police, for instance, it's there in front of you. There should be no problem whatsoever with it. Residents of Bishop Stortford are pleading with train commuters to stop parking in their streets. Vanessa Jackson, who lives there, says she can understand why people don't want to pay railway station charges, but it's a real problem. This impacts on people locally who've got small children. You want to get as close to the house as possible. Therefore, people are then parking on the corners of Mill Street, and that means that that narrows that road substantially. Delivery vans can't get in. I mean, Sainsbury's can't always get in, and Tesco's and things. But that means if they can't get in, the bin men can't get in. The case of a woman from Hertfordshire who had a do-not-resuscitate notice put on her medical records without consultation will be heard in the Court of Appeal today. Janet Tracy was taken to hospital after a car crash in Abbots Langley three years ago. Jane Draper reports. Janet Tracy was suffering from advanced lung cancer when she was taken to hospital after a serious car crash. Her husband and daughters were distressed when a do-not-resuscitate notice was put in her bedside records. It was cancelled when they complained, though a second was later put in place after talks with the family. Addenbrooke's Hospital in Cambridge, where Mrs Tracy was treated, said a High Court judge had already ruled its doctors had acted in her best interests. The first national study of asthma deaths has concluded that people are dying because of complacency about the illness. Researchers found that in nearly half of cases, asthma sufferers didn't receive any medical help during their final attack. The prison service is making it harder for inmates to qualify for day release after a man serving 13 life sentences absconded. Michael Wheatley carried out numerous armed robberies, including one in Royston. Residents living near the prison he ran off from are concerned. If he's that dangerous, then he should be under lock and key and not be allowed out. I don't think he should be in an open prison, to be honest with really, you, no. There's no way they should be out into the community. Well, it is very worrying. In sport, Liverpool lost a 3-0 advantage to draw with Crystal Palace. It means they lead the Premiership table by one point, but Man City have a game in hand. The weather will be cloudy at first, but clearing to leave a mainly dry and warm day with sunny spells. Top temperatures around 17 degrees Celsius, that's 63 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounties. BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. We moved here when we were children were younger and that, and we put them through school in here and that. It's all about where you live. It's a developing city, so you see it now, but you know, in a few years' time it could be bigger, it could be better. And all this week we're featuring Milton Keynes. Everything you need under one roof, yeah. It's a nice place to have a, a shopping spree, you know, have a walk around. The Big Tour, BBC Three Counties Radio. Suddenly, it's four minutes past eight. And I'm flagging this morning. I don't know why. I, I went to bed really early. I went to bed so early, I woke up at one point and was staring at my alarm clock going, what on earth does that say? Oh, it says half past nine. I couldn't read.
read my radio alarm clock all night. I kept squinting at it, going, I don't know what that means. Anyway, the end's nearly inside, and a professional broadcaster in the uh, shape of Jonathan Vernon Smith will be in at nine o'clock, so don't panic, Mr. Mannery. Lots coming up, including more on the police in Bedfordshire wearing body cameras. They'll be filming, well, not quite everything. They'll be filming what they want to film. Good idea, bad idea. And more about whatever you fancy, really. You can give us a call 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Police in Luton are now wearing body cameras in an attempt to protect officers and reassure the public. The trouble is the cameras can be switched on and off at will. A flaw in the plan, according to campaigners, demanding answers following two recent incidents of alleged police mistreatment of vulnerable adults in the town. In an open letter on the force website, Chief Constable Colette Paul insisted that innocent members of the public have nothing to fear. Well, what are your thoughts on this, please? 08459... Four double five, five double five. These people in Luton, speaking to our reporter Matt Lockwood, support the idea. There are a lot of people in our society who take things to the extreme. Um, they have no feelings towards other human beings, and one of them happens to be the police. They do great service for the community, and yeah, anything to protect them, I'm up for it. But don't you want police in by consent rather than by camera? Um, it's open to debate. There's a lot of opinions flying around at the moment. But in my opinion is, uh, I'd rather see the police feel safe when they walk in the streets, when they look after us. Because there are some people out there who will do things that other people would not do. And not everywhere in Luton you've got CCTV cameras. Not everywhere in Luton is a safe place. It's a lovely town. I love my town. I won't live anywhere else. But I just want everyone to be protected. And one of them is the police. So you would know then, if police are wearing cameras, that they're protected, but also would you feel a bit more protected as well? Yes, I'll give an example. If I was in a scuffle with somebody and I'm the innocent victim, having a camera there would either lessen the tension or you may record something that could be given as evidence later. Safety is the first thing, so I think definitely worth it. Uh, and would you feel more confident yeah, if your interaction example, with the police has yeah. been filmed? For example, if I'm stopped and then I've been recorded and stuff like that, I think I'd be more safer in every single way. For example, if they're trying to intimidate me or anything, it'll be all recorded. If they're trying to be nice to me, it'll be recorded. You know, better than arguing and stuff. It will stop things like what happened to Leon Briggs, just over there. People arresting someone, if the police have got cameras on them, then stuff like that won't happen. Well, listening to that is Sophie Khan, a solicitor, advocate and legal director of a charity called the Police Action Centre, which provides independent advice in cases of police misconduct. Morning, Sophie. It's a good idea, isn't it, for the police to have cameras? Morning, Ian. Um, I don't think it's a great idea for frontline officers to have cameras. Definitely firearms officers, um, specific incidences, maybe domestic violence, a specific operation, then definitely have a camera there so there is some kind of oversight as to what the officer's doing. But not as frontline policing, not every officer to have cameras because we do have to have, you know, policing by consent, we do have to have... Um, police officers trusting the uh, the police without having the camera there to back up their version of events. But the police have, have, have proved quite a lot over the past few years that, that some of them cannot be trusted and, and therefore we need some form of uh, uh, evidence for us as citizens, don't we? But those officers shouldn't be in the force. But they are. 
but they should be removed but or they should be trained in, in a way so they are able to do their job properly and so there is trust between the community and those officers. But we quite often don't know they're in the force because we have no evidence to back them up. Members of the public who, who believe they have been wronged by the police often aren't believed. Uh, and so these, these corrupt and rogue police officers, rogue is a better word, can get away with it. These cameras would surely help eradicate those rogue officers. But how would a rogue officer um, be identified by um, wearing a camera? He would be able to, or she would be able to switch it on and off uh. at will. It, it doesn't help the situation. Well, that's the, the main... flaw with the system, and so therefore you, you, you're, you're probably agreeing with me, they should be on all the time. It can't be on all the time because um, they don't have a battery life of that long, and also we don't want um, CCTV... Um, the police you know, carrying a CCTV camera on them all, all day. But what we want is... I'd, I'd, I would. I wouldn't mind that. Hearing some of the stories we've heard over the past 20 years, I'd love it if the police... Uh, the, the battery isn't an issue. Of course, that can be resolved. But but I would love the police to be, to be um, constantly uh, filming so that they would be held to account, as would members of the public. The way to do that is to have highly trained officers who are, are able to engage with the community and have the respect of the community. And that way, there will be proper policing in Bedfordshire and other areas. And, and also, there will be that trust that the, you know, the community need from their police. Without that, you know, the camera is not the answer. Um, they, you know, the use of, you know, use of a camera is not the answer to you know, the issues that underline the problems that you have with the Sophie, police today. I naively assumed, I'm a white, middle-aged, middle-class guy that has I never really been bothered by the police. I always naively assumed that they were full of upstanding men and women who respected the law, who respected people uh, and uh, carried on their business in a, in a proper way. Well, reading the papers over the past couple of years, it turns out that lots of them aren't respectable. There are rogue police officers, and it's all well and good saying they shouldn't be in the police force, but they are. So we need some way to get back public trust in the police. And, and just saying, well, let's get all the dodgy ones out, that ain't going to cut it with a lot of people, is it? Well, we have to get the dodgy ones out. It has to. But be... we can't catch the dodgy ones because it's, they're so clever. It's not about you catching them or me catching them. It's about their employer, the police force, catching them. Because similar to doctors, lawyers and accountants, we have very strong you know, regulators if we step outside the line, we are then, you know, before the regulator. The same thing has to happen with police officers because of the amount of information... But why doesn't it happen now? Us. Why doesn't it happen now? It, well, it is, there's, there's a movement. There's a college of police... Too slow, is, too slow. Why isn't it happening now? Because it, it takes time. Well, how long do we give them? The police have been around for, what, 130 years or something like that. It, 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 they've had that long to sort it out and they've not got it right. Why well, should we give them any more time? They've only recently set up the College of Policing. It was only set up last year. So that's going to take time to embed. And it's only after that that we're going to really see a different approach to policing, a different training approach. I think it's going to be very similar well, to that's going to take. That means, Sophie, it, it, it could, could take 30 years for it to filter through the system, to get rid of the, the police that are dodgy now. And for those people who, who um, have, have lost people in police custody, those people who've been uh, beaten up by police, those people who've had the police lie about them, 30 years just isn't quick enough. I don't think it's going to take 30 years because already they're changing the the training and selection process of the members of the public who want to join the police. So there's different ways that they're tackling the issue, but the issue is being tackled, so it becomes a bit more professional and more regulated, and so when someone does make a mistake, they're, they're gone. 
Well, how long is that going to take to work? And is that going to bring back the people that, that have been lost, that, that, according to their families, uh, by corrupt police officers? Is that going to, you know, change... Is that going to change anything? It's going to change the way that the police engage with the public. It's going to change the way that I engage with the, uh, with the police. And also, I think, you know, lessons need to be learned, and if they're not learned, then that's, uh, you know, that's something for the police... But, lessons, are, Sophie, to lessons haven't been learned. You go to Hillsborough, you go to Plebgate, you go to all of these stories. The police have got it wrong. And, listen, I, I'm a big fan of the police. I think they get it right the majority of the time. But when they get it wrong, they get it spectacularly wrong. And they cover each other's backs, and they lie. They haven't learned. And th- there will be people listening to this going, they have had long enough to sort this out. They haven't got it right now. Let's let them all have cameras, let them be on all the time, let's have the police held accountable. The camera's not the answer. We can't have it on all the time. There's no, um, the retention of the the video, there's, it's not possible to have Sophie, um, that, that, 24 that's a te- hours that's, for the retention. Well, it wouldn't be 24 hours, would it? It'll be, the, it'll be eight hours, the length of their police shift, which is, is completely doable. No, I don't think it well, is. It, well, it is. If you go and on the, Amazon, you'll find a camera that can do it. Retention fees will already cost millions and millions of pounds. The cost shouldn't be a factor in stopping the protection of the public. It won't protect the public. It won't protect anybody. It will just be a total waste of money. Private companies making money out of the public funds. It, it's something I've looked into, and it's something I, I'm not convinced about. But why yes, don't you think? Why don't you think? Arm, it, why don't you think it, well, the, the, the firearm police in Bedfordshire won't be uh, won't have the cameras? Why don't you think it will protect them if if the cameras well, they, are they on? Should have the cameras the, because well, they that's don't. a specific operation. If the cameras are on all the time, it will protect the police officers because apparently in the, the the studies it's calmed down members of the public when they go, "Oi, son, look, I've got a camera," and surely it will protect. The, uh, the members of the public, if the police are being a bit gobby, a bit lippy, or indeed give them a wallop. Because it, it will be stop possible, them doing it. It won't be possible to have the camera on all the time. So therefore Why do you keep to... saying that? Because it's not possible. Why? It, it is not... It is not um, it's within... Yeah, the the structure of how the camera is set up, it cannot be on all okay, the time. Okay, they have two cameras. When one finishes, the other one takes over automatically. Forget the technical aspects of the camera not being able to be on for more than four or five to, hours. You have to look at the technical aspects. Okay, well, I've given you a solution. You can, I've given you a simple you solution. Forward to a different argument. Well, then I've given the Sophie. I've given you a simple solution. You have two cameras. They're four hours each. When one stops, the other one automatically kicks in. So that, it, that, that, it, that's not a problem. It's not the way I want policing in this country. Okay, to be. well, we've I got past the technicals. Why? I want it to be between the members of the public and the police officer. I want them to have trust towards their police. They don't know, Sophie. I speak yes, to people... Yes, but I want that to happen. But and that's I want it... where the money and that's where the attention should be going, not towards cameras. I want it to happen, but it, it, it isn't. And it's getting worse and worse and worse. Well, it has to be looked at then. It it's being be looked, looked at, at, Sophie. It's being looked at. Cameras are not the answer. Cameras what is what is the answer, answer then? How do we build up the trust? We've got thirty seconds. You keep saying cameras are not the answer to building up trust between the public and the police. A situation which is getting worse. It, it so how do you do it? A further, how further do, barrier. How further, do you do it? Further barrier by how having do, a camera there. How do you do it then? You, we have to have public engagement with the with the police and the. Or what, coppers the, turning up at youth centres and and uh, things like that. Going, or, hey guys, we're just events, like you. Or events where they are oh. explaining what how they're policing their community. They do, and no one no one trusts them. They turn up, and people the people don't trust them. No, I don't think it's at that level. It is, so, Sophie. I talk to people every other day, where. It, they don't trust them. We speak. To, we have people in this morning who don't trust the police. I understand that, but that has to be. There has to be um, money and uh, resources spent on that rather than on cameras. 
So you, you would rather spend the money on the police turning up at carnivals and going to youth centres? Not carnivals, structured events where there is mm. engagement regarding how they are policing their, their community and what the public want from their police in that community. And that's when, not there, was a, there was an incident recently uh, where the police held, held an evening because a young, there was accusations that a young autistic lad had been roughed up by the police. Uh, the police turned up uh, at an evening supposedly to calm things down. It made situations worse because I'm not, there was... I'm that... not talking about that. I'm not talking about after the event issues. I'm talking about before... Before the event. Before the event. Before where they rough are, up someone. Where there is the community wants to speak to the local police and that that needs to be, you know, regular meetings... What we want from our police service, like a service, what do we want? You go to a solicitor and ask them, I need help with X. It's the same kind of situation. And you tell the police, we need help with X. And then they provide that service. Sophie, thank you very much for your time. Let's put that out there. Sophie Khan, uh, solicitor, legal director of a charity called the Police Action Centre. She thinks that uh, that cameras are not the way forward, that the way forward is to, uh, to, to build up more trust by having, you know, the police at events and stuff. I'm not convinced. 08459 455 555. Thank you for waiting, Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. We've had an update in from Simon on the A41 as you head towards the M25, just around the Hemel Hempstead turn-off. There's been an accident involving six vehicles. No emergency services are on the scene yet, but that delay will really add to the normal morning queues. On the M25 itself, anti-clockwise carriageway, very heavy between Junction 22 for London Coney and 16 for the M40. Also, the M1 still struggling, London-bound between Junction 12 for Flittick and 9 for Redbourne. On public transport, the Piccadilly line is suspended between Arnos Grove and Cockfosters because of a signal failure. Tickets being accepted on local buses. And on Southern, ongoing problems. No trains between Milton Keynes and Shepherd's Bush because of overrunning engineering words. Uh, Their disruption is expected until about half past eight. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sophie. It's 8.18. It's uh, Tuesday, the 6th of May. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Police officers across Bedfordshire are now routinely wearing body cams. uh, People in Bishop Stortford say they can't park outside their own homes because of commuters taking their spaces. And the case of a woman from Hertfordshire who had a do-not-resuscitate notice put on her medical records without consultation will be heard in the Court of Appeal today. The weather today, mainly dry with sunny spells. Three Counties Radio. BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. It's all about open skies, lines of wonderful boulevard trees. Inviting everyone to where you live. As a whole, it's a lovely place to live. Everything you need under one roof, yeah. Just a useful, friendly place. Everything you need's on your doorstep. It's just nice. It's nice for going for walks and things like that. And all this week, we're featuring Milton Keynes. Yeah, I live in Milton Keynes, work in Milton Keynes. If you've got a story everyone should hear about, let us tell them about it. We're not far from anything green, really, if you think about it. The big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. It's a place where you can learn and you can do anything in the world. Milton Keynes is a lovely, friendly, brilliant place to live. BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Jonathan Vernon Smith. 
Morning. You're swimming or something? <laughs> what are you doing with your ears? No, this. Uh, oh, they don't work. They're one-legged. Hang on. Oh, they work. Wonderful. Who'd have thought we could have working headphones? Look at us. We're uh, we're both looking. I, have you noticed I'm slightly sun-kissed today? You're looking a little bit bluffed, yes. (laughs) I sat out at a barbecue on Sunday evening, had a couple of Pinot Grigios in the sunshine, and uh, I caught the evening rays for hours. Beautiful. And as a consequence, I burnt my face. (laughs) I'm just feeling grey and tired. I'm really tired You don't look look grey and tired. You look quite well. I, I did spend a couple of hours in the Pirate Park. Uh, with the boys. Pirate ship. What's that? It's a pirate ship in a park, and uh, I was very impressed at the way I told off older children when their parents weren't nearby. Stop that. We won't... Stop throwing sand, please, children. Thank you. Do you like, uh, do you like garden centres? No, I hate them. Oh. Why? Well, I was just going to suggest somewhere lovely for you to take your children. I went yesterday. Go on. Somewhere I haven't been for many, many years. And anyone who lives in my particular part of Hertfordshire, they'll know it well. Vanstone Park Gardens. Have you ever heard of Vanstone Park? No, I don't know Vanstone Park. They've got a little train, like a little diesel-driven train. Yeah. So mum and dad can go and look at shrubs and tubs. And the children go round in this little... Your kids would love it. The boys would love that. Wouldn't they love it? Yeah, fantastic. You should go there. What's this Dick Van Dyke Park? (laughs) Where is it? <laughs> I know. Vanstone Park. Vanstone Park. I'm going to check that out. Yeah, go I there. I love that. Be, yes. There's a, there's a train. So you, are you offering to take them? I'm confused. So you're going to take them? <laughs> no, 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 you can take your own oh. children. But there's a, there's a train. Excellent. Well, how Can life get any better when not you're for, a small boy... Not for a four-year-old, it can't. ...than a proper petrol-driven train? They love all that stuff. Smoke comes out of it and everything. They love it. Mm. I can't stand it myself. No. What's on your show? It's, always a, it's in a big font today, look. It is, isn't it? Going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's been a long weekend. Coming up on the big phone today, is it time everyone in this country was forced to vote? Oh. There's a very oh. interesting article in The Mirror today. Yes. They're covering this new poll that's been carried out, and it shows that 60% of young people who can vote for the first time next year won't bother to turn up. Uh, 3.3 million young people will be eligible to vote for the first time at the 2015 general election, but only 41% said they wanted to. When asked why they wouldn't vote, most said politicians seem more interested in big business, pensioners and people who own houses than they were in young people. Well, from nine this morning, I want your views. Is it time that everyone in this country was forced to vote? I mean, election after election, we seem to have fewer and fewer people bothering to vote. Well, we've got to stop this, haven't we? I mean, if we're going to go around the world forcing democracy on people, haven't we got to at least... Force it on our own Force it on our own people. Like in North Korea. Well, kind of. But I wonder whether if we were told that we have to vote... There's no option, like they do in Australia. You have a fine or something, don't you, if you don't yeah, vote yeah. in Australia? Yeah, $30 or something. Yeah. yeah. So uh, if, you were, if you were made to vote, and if you didn't vote, you'd get fined, perhaps then people would say, OK, well, you know, I don't really like any of them. But actually, I will vote for the one that I think is the least bad. At least it would force them to take part in democracy. Could you, in, in, your, in, in this world that we are hypothetically talking about, mm. could I go and deface my paper? Would that count as a vote? Because supposing I don't like any of them, you know, they're, they're all... I, I, don't, I don't agree with anything. But any you're going to like for. one of them better than the others. Well, yeah, I'm going to like one of them better than the others, but it doesn't mean I'm going to like that person. No. But then that's what democracy is all about very Voting often, isn't it? Voting for the, least, the well, least worst person. Well, r- really, yes. Okay, I mean, yeah, how yeah, many yeah. of us, how many of us genuinely agree with every single policy that a party or an individual stands for at yep. an election? You don't, do you? I mean, that would be impossible. So what you have to do is you have to think, well, which party 
has most of my yep. which one do I agree with mostly or which person do I think has got the best kind of attributes out of all of these five yeah. most of whom I don't really like that's what it's about isn't it so it's forcing people to make that decision so that they actually exercise democracy do you do you not see the contradiction in yeah that I do good. But, but I do but if only 41% yeah. Of of three point three million young people who'll be eligible to vote. I mean, do you remember the first time you were able to vote? So it, exciting! It was exciting, but I. <laughs> oh, what did I, you do? I blew it. What? I I blew it. I voted for the Natural Law Party. The ones that did you get flagged? Are they still around? <laughs> they they were twenty two years ago. And the reason I did it is because the Beach Boys <laughs> and George Harrison had did a concert, done a concert for them. Have it's you ever like, seen their yo get flagged? <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. So I voted. What a waste. They, they, they didn't get in, guys, in really? case you're wondering. When, the, the European elections, I think, the 22nd, 23rd of May, a couple of weeks' time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I noticed our uh, voting papers were at home, uh, our uh, cards. And then I went back the next day and I couldn't find the cards. And I, I was looking for the cards. My wife had put them in the bin. What? She ch- I, got, I fished mine out of the bin and left it on, in prominent display on the mantelpiece so she could see that I was going to vote. Why'd she put it in the bin? She couldn't care less. Really? Yeah, I know. I, I was shocked. But she's a political animal. <laughs> <laughs> I can't understand this. I know. I was shocked. So I, I got mine out and put it on a prominent place so that she would know I was disgusted by her behaviour. Think of the the efforts that women went to yep. to secure your wife with yep. that chance to go and exercise her right to She's vote. thrown Emily Pankhurst in the bin. Hasn't she? Hasn't she just... Well, from nine this morning, I'd love your views on this. Is it time everyone in this country was forced to vote? 08459 555555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Mm-hmm. Right, let's go to John in Ickwell. Morning, John. Good morning. John, what would you like to say, sir? First of all, I'm a type 2 diabetes. Oh, you're the bad diabetes, according to yes, the Daily sir. Mail. Now, I served a long time in the military. I do hours of exercise every morning. Yes. Keep my sugar levels as level as I possibly can. Yes. And I was a fit as a lot till I was... Well, hang on a second. Let me get the Daily Mail. Let me just check. Are you uh, overweight or obese? No. Do you do too little exercise? I do uh, an hour every day. Well, it must be your unhealthy diet then, John. I want my £10 billion back, please. <laughs> unhealthy diet. I eat the best diet. You can well, possibly have. No, I did. It seems a strange group of people to attack, but that's what the Daily Mail have done. Yeah, bunch of nutcases. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't possibly comment. Uh, you've called in about the police as well. Go on. Yeah, I did, yeah. Uh, I've been fighting these since 1986, trying to get justice for my wife, who lays in bed here with a broken back. Um, uh, I had a terrible accident and things went wrong, and I found out the place had no licences. Sorry, what, what, what place? Without mentioning uh, any names, what kind of place? It was a club, a club that everybody knows. OK, so she injured her back in a club. OK, go on, carry yeah, on. Uh, dance. They had no music and dancing licence. I now believe they had no licence and they had no completion certificate and they'd also delisted the building without proper permission. Yep. Anyway, we get the high court, we take us ten years to get there and uh, we lose the case. That's how strong this club is, you know. Yeah, OK. A lot of members in the hierarchy. Anyway, what happens now, there's a friend of mine who's a chief inspector of Hampshire Police trying to help me said, take all these calls, John, all these nasty calls you're getting, do this, do that. So I'd done it. The only people who knew was that I was doing this is police. Yes. My home was broken into all the tapes stolen. Hang on, so what, um, what, what phone calls were you recording? Terrible. You know, terrible. We're going to burn me out here. We're going to do this. Who was going to burn, again, no names, but who was going to burn you out? 
these people I'm fighting. OK. And so you, you recorded the police... The, you, sorry, you recorded the phone calls. Yep, yep, yep. The tapes went missing. The, the house was broken into. And you suspect, what, it was the police? Well, who would know? Who knew that we were doing it? Only them. You didn't tell any friends or anything? Uh, one senior officer... Yeah. God rest his soul, he died, Neil Burns. Hell of a nice fellow. He said to me, John, he was on the murder squad at Hartford... I'll get some uh, really expensive equipment and put in there. We'll do this, we'll do that, do that. And the man got cancer. But he said to me, whatever you do, tape every one of them calls. John, listen, we, we've got to end it there because I'm out of time. But uh, the, 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 an interesting story. Thank you very much indeed. Not quite sure how that ties in with the police having cameras, but may, maybe. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. It's BBC Three Counties Radio. It's coming up to 8.29. Let's get the travel now. Here's Alice Glossop. <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the A41, around the Hemel Hempstead turn-off as you head towards the M25, there was an accident involving multiple vehicles and that will really add to the normal morning delays along that stretch. Thanks to Simon for phoning in with an update there. The M25 itself, anti-clockwise, still heavy between Junction 22 for London Coney and 16 for the M40. Then on the M40 itself, London-bound, heavy going between Junction 6 for Watlington and 4 for High Wycombe. On public transport, the Piccadilly line is suspended between Arnos Grove and Cockfosters after a signal failure. Tickets are being accepted on local buses, though. And on Southern, still no trains between Milton Keynes and Shepherd's Bush because of overrunning engineering works. That disruption is expected to finish shortly. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's half past eight. I'm Lee Agnew. The headlines, police officers across Bedfordshire are now routinely wearing body cameras. That's to protect officers and reassure the public that the police are accountable. Residents of Bishop Stortford are pleading with train commuters to stop parking outside their homes. They say cars are blocking the streets, stopping the bin men and emergency services getting through. The first national study of asthma deaths has concluded that people are dying because of complacency about the illness. Researchers found that in nearly half of cases, asthma sufferers didn't receive any medical help during their final attack. People in Hatfield say that work on a cemetery in the town amounts to desecration. The council is replacing rose bushes at Hatfield Hyde Cemetery with a new earth mound. And the weather will be cloudy at first, but clearing to leave a mainly dry and warm day with sunny spells. Top temperatures around 17 degrees Celsius. That's 63 degrees Fahrenheit. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Liverpool have lost their grip on the title race after losing a three-goal advantage to draw with Crystal Palace. Liverpool are a point clear at the top, but Manchester City have a game in hand and a better goal difference. Here's the Liverpool manager, Brendan Rodgers. There's no doubt I think Manchester City will now go on and win it. We need it to win tonight to have any sort of chance to keep the, the pressure on going into the last game. Uh, and we didn't do that. It's, it's bitterly disappointing. St Albans City beat Chesham United 3-1 in the Southern Premier Playoff final. It means City are promoted to Conference South alongside champions Hemel Hempstead. 
Wickham Wanderers remain in League Two following Saturday's 3-0 win at Torquay. Wanderers manager Gareth Ainsworth says he's proud of their achievements. This club, with the history it's got of the FA Cups, the Wembley appearances, the Vars and, and all the, the League Cup semi-finals, this is just brilliant to add to that. You know, what, what a day and what a day that fans have had, you know, and I'm so proud to have played a part in it. Mark Selby is the new snooker world champion after defeating Ronnie O'Sullivan at the Crucible. Selby was 10-5 behind but won 10 of the next 12 frames. Selby now tops the world rankings. No better feeling. I mean, obviously, once you've won it now, that's it. Whether you only win it once or or, or more than once, nobody can ever take it away from you. And Every year I come back to the Crucible and I see that list of winners, the roll of honour. Obviously, my name's going to be on that, which is fantastic. And that's BBC Three Counties News and Sport with more at 9 o'clock. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 We've had a pop at diabetics. We're talking about the police wearing cameras. And uh, a little catch-up after the firefighters' strike at the weekend. Firefighters are now back to work as normal after a weekend of strikes and picket lines. We were assured on Friday that there was adequate cover to ensure public safety for the duration of the strike and that firefighters wouldn't be prevented from going back uh, to work. But it would seem this wasn't quite the case in Buckinghamshire. We can catch up with what went on in that county this weekend with Mick Osborne as area manager. He's Bucks Fire and Rescue's third in command and was in their operation support room for most of the weekend. Morning, Mick. Good morning. Mick, how did you cope at the weekend? Um, yeah, our, our contingency arrangements again proved, you know, that we can cope under normal circumstances and, you know, we responded to a number of calls. Uh, all the calls that we did receive, we actually responded to. Um, so our, our contingency arrangements, you know, were in place for the whole weekend. Was it a challenge? Um, events like this are always going to be a challenge. You know, it's not something that... Um, you know, that we would like to happen on a regular occasion. Obviously, you know, we would like to have our, you know, normal levels of cover in place. So, yes, it's always a challenge. But you, but you feel that um, you, you coped admirably and the public weren't at risk? Yeah, absolutely. We did cope with every call that we received and we responded to, and we had a good spread of cover across the county, ensuring that the public was as protected as we possibly could uh, make them uh, over the weekend. OK. We spoke to um, station manager Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Williams on Friday. Just have a quick listen to this. We've heard, Jeremy, uh, from the Fire Brigades Union in Bucks that striking firefighters aren't being allowed to return to work at the end of each strike period. Is that right? That's not true, because there, there will be... Um, at any time, firefighters are allowed to come to work. If they let us know that they're going to be working, then they can let us know that that's the case. OK, so striking but, firefighters are allowed to return to work at the end of each strike period? Um, should they wish to work, then they can certainly return to work at any time, during or after the strike period. Is that right, Mick? If firefighters wanted to work the rest of their shift, they could? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And some actually did take us up on that offer, and they did actually come back to work, which is all credit to them. Because we've been told that firefighters who were willing to work were turned away because it was claimed there was enough cover. No, that's uh, not true at all. As I say, we, had, we did have uh, crews that volunteered to work over the weekend and, um, and, and, did, and, were actually, uh, and were actually used as well. So no firefighters were turned away when they uh, turned up for work after the strike because, because uh, you claimed there was enough cover? No, no firefighters that volunteered to work during those periods of action where partial performance wasn't being uh, accepted were turned away at all. Those that volunteered to work continued to work. So I've been told that firefighters called up at 8 o'clock in the morning and were turned away. 
No, it's absolutely not true. They weren't turned away. They were asked if they were going to be paid for that period of the shift. And where they were told, no, you wouldn't be paid. However, oh. if you wish to volunteer to work, then you can work. Ah, so, all right. So now we're getting somewhere. So uh, if firefighters have been on strike, they wanted to return for the rest of their shift after the strike. They uh, weren't turned away, but they were told they wouldn't be paid. Yeah, this was a decision that was taken some months ago uh, oh. by the fire authority that partial performance of shifts would not be accepted, which is normal practice in many uh, occupations. So they're being punished um, for striking? No, absolutely not, no. Well, if, they're, um, if, they're, if they're returning after a strike to their shift, prepared to work their shift, and they're being told, you can come back, but you won't be getting paid for it, that, that is a punishment, isn't it, for striking? Uh, no, it isn't a punishment at all. It's, uh, it's normal practice in many occupations that part, partial right. performance of shifts and it is not accepted. So is, it normal practice across, back to is it normal practice across the fire brigade? I mean, it's happened in other fire and rescue services. Yes, it has. Um, yeah. Not just this time, not just this period of industrial action, which, which has uh, been going on over the last number of months. But, you know, in previous uh, disputes, both national and local disputes, this has been the case, yes. As far as I'm aware, Bucks was the only county in England and Wales to stick to that this time. Um, I obviously can't comment on other counties, but I don't know whether that is strictly true. I, I, I'm going to put my neck on the line and say, yes, it is true that Bucks was the only county, and if I've got this wrong, someone will correct me, Bucks was the only county to turn away firefighters who wanted to uh, f- finish their shift after the strike. Bucks was the only one to turn them away. We did not turn any Bucks was the only away. one to refuse, the, f- refuse to pay them for the rest of their shifts. I can't answer that. You must have more information than I. OK, so, so why did you do it? As I said to you, it was a decision that was taken some months ago. Okay, why was that decision um, taken? Because, obviously, we want to reduce the cost of this dispute to the taxpayers of Milton Keynes and Buckinghamshire. But that wouldn't, have costed, of money. that wouldn't have costed the taxpayers any extra money to, to pay them for the rest of their shifts. That would have cost them what it normally would have costed them. Um, no, that's completely wrong, because, obviously, we have to put contingency arrangements in place, which costs the authority and costs the taxpayers, and, therefore, if we've got contingency arrangements in place and... We're paying striking firefighters as well. Then uh, obviously that cost increases. So I guess you're a big thank you to those people that the firefighters that did choose to continue their shifts, even though they knew they weren't going to get paid. Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. It was you know it was a, re- it was a really brave and bold decision made by those firefighters, and we thank them for that. And as the public of Milton Keynes and Buckinghamshire do as well. Would would they have been covered completely by their insurance? Yes, absolutely. All those questions were answered prior to the dispute happening. Um, we'd had dialogue with the Fire Brigade Union and with our staff to ensure that they were very, very aware of all of the facts around it. And yes, absolutely. So, so the, 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 the firefighters that, that came back to work to finish their shift and weren't getting paid, they were completely insured as per normal? Absolutely. And, and the, 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 there was cover for their family should they be injured or killed in the line of duty? Absolutely, in pl- uh, as in line with uh, standard procedures. And if there had been a claim against them by a member of the public, that would have been covered as well? Of course they would. They're employed by us, so we're vicariously liable for any of their actions whilst they're employed under our um, direct leadership. But they were only volunteers, though, weren't they? No, but we'd made that completely clear with our frequently asked questions. They knew exactly where they stood, and whether or not they're volunteers, they're covered by us. So the volunteers, all the volunteers, were covered by the same usual insurance? Absolutely. There was an accident in Milton Keynes on Friday, wasn't there? Um, yes, there was, yes. Two people died. That's correct. Uh, is it true that firefighters just down the road in Great Holm were not called out, even though it was reported at 10am? Um, A full two hours true. before the walkout? Our contingency arrangements did respond to that, but what I will say is 
that no, no intervention or no different intervention by any of the emergency services would have changed the outcome of that incident. So, just, just to clarify, is it true that firefighters down the road were not called out, even though it was reported at 10am, a full two hours before the 12pm walkout? We had other firefighters just down the road that did respond. OK, but the firefighters that were closest weren't called out? Um, I've not measured it, so I don't know whether they were closer or not. Only were turned out to the job, and only two retained firefighters turned up. They were the first fire appliance on scene. No, that's not correct. We had a resilience appliance that was on the scene first. Okay. The second appliance took 20 minutes to get there. No, the second appliance was turned back by the initial officer that arrived, made an assessment at the scene, and didn't require the second appliance. Okay. Mick, are you proud that, that Bucks is the only county that refused to pay firefighters who are willing to work partial shifts? It isn't a question of being proud, it's a question of being pragmatic. No, but are you, are you proud of it? Are you proud of it or are, are you ashamed of it? Which? Neither. I'm, I'm completely impartial to it. It's a decision that's been made in order to limit the cost to the taxpayer of Buckinghamshire and Milton Keynes. It sounds very noble, but it also... It sounds a little bit unfair. If, if people, if, if workers are prepared to work part of their shift after going on strike, then it, it, it does sound, Mick, and I know you're saying it's not, it does sound like a punishment. Um, well, I can assure you it isn't a punishment, and it is normal practice in many other occupations within the and public Bucks, sector. Bucks as well was the, the only county to, to, to force that this time. I don't, as I said to you, you may have more information than I. I'm not sure of that. I know that on previous strike occasions over Christmas and New Year, other services uh, did adopt the same stance. I don't know this time. Mick, thank you very much for your time. That's Mick Osborne, area manager uh, for Bucks Fire and Rescue. He's the third in command there. 08459 455555. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. You can give us a call about that. You can give us a call about the police wearing cameras. You can give us a call about those dirty diabetics. Why are we so against diabetics? Well, the Daily Mail is telling us. I couldn't work out what this story, what the angle of this story was on the front page of the Mail. I've got it now. I couldn't work out if it was, isn't it awful? We've got a diabetic epidemic. We need to help these people or those dirty diabetics. It's the latter. It's the latter. One in seven hospital patients is diabetic, costing the NHS £10 billion a year. The third paragraph is where the the Daily Mail shows their colours. The illness is strongly linked to lifestyle factors, such as being overweight or obese, too little exercise and an unhealthy diet. It already accounts for about 10% of the total NHS budget, with most being spent on complications such as amputations and stroke. So he's having a pop at the diabetics, isn't it? Mm, because we all know everyone loves an amputation or a stroke. <laughs> oh, and they're doing man. it on purpose. Oh, For heaven's man. sake. It's incredible. It's an incredible front page. I do recommend you have a look at it. Diabetic or not. 08459 555. Earlier on in the show, we uh, spoke to Sophie Kahn, who is a solicitor. I'm going to cough. <coughs> Excuse me. We spoke to Sophie Kahn, who is a, a solicitor, about um, people wearing... Uh, the police, excuse me, wearing body cameras. She thought it was a bad idea and it wouldn't uh, help uh, rebuild trust between the public and the police. She thinks the police should go to youth centres and hold events. Lynn's in Hazelman. Morning, Lynn. Good morning, Ian. Lynn, um, what would you like to say? Well, I love I loved the interview. I thought you were, it was fantastic, but she wasn't going to budge an inch, was she? And I just wonder what planet she's on, really. Um, I think the cameras would be an absolutely brilliant idea. 
And I think from the police's point of view as well, to protect them, not just to protect the public. And I think it would be brilliant and it really, really would help um, the people that, you know, don't trust the police now because there's an awful lot of people who don't. I think it would help greatly. I don't think these... I struggle to... She's the only person we've spoken to this morning who thinks it's a bad idea. And if I'm arguing about, well, they haven't got a long enough battery or a big enough memory to record a full shift, if that's the only argument she's got, there are ways around that. That's an easy thing to sort out. You have two cameras working in sync, and when one stops, the other one starts. Easy. That's done. But the, the poli- I mean, the police already do turn up at events. They do go to youth clubs. They do go to schools. But people still treat them. People uh, uh, still have a reluctance to believe them. It needs more than that, because that's not worked for the last 30, 40, 50 years. No, I quite agree. Um, there's lots of events around where we live in Hazelmere, and actually I have a, a good uh, rapport with our p- local police because I run sheltered housing units, so, um, you know, they pop in and see us occasionally, but they run events, but hardly anybody turns up because it's ju- usually during the day or whatever, and... Mm. Most people are at work, you know, kids just think, oh, you're joking, I'm not doing that. So it's hard to, to get certain parts of the community to engage with them. Um, we've just recently had a, a space of um, graffiti all around the area. It's stopped now, thankfully. But yes. Um, it makes a huge difference to where you live when you walk down the road. Hey, now listen, we went to... I've just realised I've had my microphone down really low for the whole show and now I'm boosting it up. We, I, when I was at the Pirate Park yesterday with the boys, which is a really nice park in a nice area, and uh, I haven't been there for a while, but they've graffitied all over the pirate ship. Yeah. And, uh, you can say, and some of it is, is bad language. Obviously, it's about football clubs. Lots of it is bad language. I'm thinking, hey, come on, there are, there are four, five, six, seven-year-old kids here. Why would you go and draw a picture of a winkle on a, on a pirate ship? I know, but that happens, doesn't it? You know, they, I don't know whether they get a kick out of doing it or what, you know, because they're not... Nobody ever sees people graffitiing, do they? No. No. I don't know how they do it, whether they do it in the middle of the night or whatever, but nobody ever catches them. Lynn, thank you for that. So I, I have a suspicion who it may be now who did that. I think it's Catherine Boyle. You've just mined the drawing of a winkle imperfectly. Everyone can do it in two seconds flat, something we all learned at school. Oh, Catherine. <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M25 anti-clockwise are very heavy between Junction 21 for the M1 and 16 for the M40. The M1 itself, London-bound, still slow going between Junction 12 for Flittick and 9 for Redbourne. The A1M southbound queuing between Junction 9 for Letchworth and 7 for Stevenage. And there's an accident around the Hemel Hempstead turn-off on the A41 as you head towards the M25. It's involving multiple vehicles and it'll really add to the normal morning delays there. On public transport, the Piccadilly line has minor delays between Arnos Grove and Cockfosters after a signal failure. And Southern Rail still has no trains between Milton Keynes and Shepherd's Bush because of overrunning engineering works. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much. Just discussing the merits of cereal with my team. Seriously, Kelly, buy a box of cereal. It will save you a fortune. 8.46, it's Tuesday the 6th of May. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. There's been a mixed reaction to the news that Bedfordshire police officers are now routinely wearing body cams. Residents of Bishop Stortford say they can't park outside their own homes because of commuters taking their spaces. And people in Hatfield say the council has desecrated a cemetery by removing road 
rose bushes that mark their relative's resting place. Coming up, more of your calls. You can talk about the fire brigade strike. You can talk about the police wearing cameras. You can talk about whatever you want, for goodness sakes. It's that kind of show. 08459 455 555. We'll chat after the weather with Kate. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, things already starting to brighten up. We can already see the sunshine for most parts. The further east you are, we've still got just one or two uh, showers moving through, uh, but also a bit of cloud, but it's uh, the sunshine is on the way. Now, it's patchy cloud and showers maybe this afternoon, one or two quite heavy showers expected, but in the most part, it should be dry, bright, sunny, and we should get some decent temperatures out of it as well. We're looking at a maximum of around 17 Celsius later on today. Now, we could get one or two showers this evening, but other than that, some late evening sunshine to enjoy. Dry through the middle part of the night, but more showers arriving through the early hours. The minimum temperature down to around 8 Celsius, so relatively mild, certainly milder than the last few nights. As we head into tomorrow, a similar sort of day, scattered showers, some of those heavy. We've got a fresh southwesterly breeze, which we have got today, I forgot to mention that, this uh, southwesterly breeze. With the maximum temperature tomorrow, just a touch cooler at 16 Celsius. That's 61 degrees in Fahrenheit. That's your forecast. Thank you very much. Now, how about a bit of murder? Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. How about a bit of murder and death, particularly local murder and death from the 19th century? I mean, one of the crimes in the book, I think there's a potential there for miscarriage of justice. Here until three o'clock this afternoon. More great music to come in the next two and a half hours. Every once in a while, I like a little bit of epic on this programme. Nick Coffer. Today, I'm just outside of Aylesbury at Stoke Mandeville. I'm at Hula, which is an animal rescue centre in the paediatrics ward of the L&D Hospital. I'm in Nick Coffer, weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Calm down, I'm just saying. I don't look at Facebook during the show now, so if you could bang them over to me. So I have done. And I know you've banged them over to me, and and I I know you, I can see them. Yeah, that's what I've done then. I know. Mum, Dad, stop it. So you're welcome. I've had a message on Facebook from Dev Rupp Maitra. Okay. Hey, Ian, are you interested in doing a TV comedy show with me? Because, yeah, that's how all TV comedy shows start, by someone getting in touch with you on Facebook. You going to do it, then? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm up for it, definitely, Dev. I'll send you an email. Um, the police wearing... Oh, J-Dog! Morning, boss. J-Dog! Yeah. J-Dog's had a nut cut. <laughs> He's gone and had a nut cut. Yeah. J-Dog's had a nut cut. Ooh. And it looks darker than it did yesterday. Mm, you had a little bit of dye in there, fella? Um, or no. did, the, did the spray tan kind of go a bit high? Uh, spray tan over the weekend uh, wasn't particularly good. It was uh, a busy weekend, so uh, the tannage was kept to a minimum. Keep the tannage to a minimum. You bought a uh, uh, spray tannage for your cousin, you were saying. That's generous yes. and weird. Yeah, no, no, I just... I thought she was looking a bit uh, a bit pale, a bit like a ghost. So I said, look, I'll tell you what, I'm going to help you out on this one occasion. Have some of my fake tan. There you go, my darling. Go and enjoy. <laughs> now, was it? Do, do you spray it on yourself, Just, or do you go to a booth? Uh, I'm genuinely interested. Dear, cause dear. I'm, sorry? Are you thinking about next week's uh, big awards night? Is that what you're thinking? I'm turning up orange. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe yeah. on Monday I should go, I should go in a slightly warmer colour, a slightly darker colour. I'll tell you what, boss. You leave it to me. You yeah. come in tomorrow, OK? Yeah. Nine yeah. o'clock when your show finishes, we yeah. shall... Go upstairs. What? Um, you can take your clothes off, not all of them, and um, I'll turn you up. There's an offer you uh, can't refuse. I think I can. Re- I think I can refuse that kind of Catherine. You need paper pants. Yes. Got paper don't worry. Pants. I've got paper pants. I don't wear pants. No, no. I'm not I've using your second-hand pants. paper pants. No, they're fresh. Don't worry, they're fresh. 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 That's a daisy. Fresh. 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 <laughs> fresh. How do you clean paper pants? 
he threw them away afterwards. Oh. Just so decadent. Yeah. Now, listen, we've got you on for something serious. The police yes. in Luton. Uh, there they go. Yeah. Oh, look at that. A bit of production values. Nice one, Caff. Didn't have that <laughs> yesterday. Police in Luton are now wearing body cameras in an attempt to protect officers and reassure the public. Now, the only problem I can see with this is that the cameras can be switched on and off at will. Now, most people so far, Justin, mm. have been in favour of this. Yep. We spoke to Sophie Khan, who's a regular on uh, Jonathan's show. She was against it. She doesn't think it will work and doesn't think it will bring back uh, trust uh, in the police. You've been out talking to people about this. Are, are they mainly in favour? I've got to be honest, 95% I would say, people that I've spoken to this morning, they are definitely in favour of this. The reason being, it gives protection to both parties, okay? But, uh, as you mentioned, the main issue is, it's at their discretion. They can turn the cameras on and off when they want to. Now, you mentioned earlier on, is there anybody listening who's got anything against this? So, yes. it's taken me a long time to find people who have got views uh, against these body cameras. I found a few people here's what they had to say john you're not in favor of police cameras tell me why i just don't get along with police officers anymore since a couple of things that happened a long time ago and they haven't resolved it or they haven't came back to me about it those especially about it i lost interested into the police so you feel like that they treated you unfairly basically yeah so you wouldn't want to be recorded by the police under any circumstances no so, would you be worried, just lastly, would you be worried about where that footage could end up then? Yeah. So what do you think they might do with it? I don't have a clue. And that's what worries you? Yes. It's the balance of power at the end of the day. Mm. You're, um, if it's at their discretion, they can turn it on and off whenever they want. You know, if they approach a situation and they can see it's escalating and, you know, you get a few rowdy guys, you know, you read about it, you, you hear stories or whatever. If they turn it off and get involved in a negative sense mm. and the camera's not recording and someone reports that police officer, then, again, it gets down to your word versus theirs. Uh, no, good idea, man. Good bad idea. So you don't want to be recorded? No, no, I don't want to be recorded. No. Tell me why you don't want to be recorded. You just don't want to be recorded. I mean, some people may say, and I'll put this in the nicest possible way, that you don't want to be recorded because you might have something to hide. What would you say to those people? You'll get switched. Straight away. So you feel like that footage could yeah. be edited? Yeah. And you feel like you could be stitched up. You clearly yeah, don't yeah, trust yeah, the police, yeah, do you? Yeah, no. 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 Can't be trusted. There were some people there, Justin, who weren't um, particularly fans of the police. I'd love to know John's story. Mm, absolutely. I mean, to, to be fair, that's what it all comes down to. Yep. One of your previous guests earlier on said to me, it's all down to trust. These people, however good the idea may sound on paper, they don't want it because they do not trust the but police. But then that's the only... If, if, if the camera... And the problem is that you can switch the cameras off. That's yep. gonna, that, that won't build any trust at all. No. If they were on all the time, then... I can't see how that would not build trust. But even that, you know, you say to people there that these cameras are there for your protection, they just won't have it. For whatever reason, something has happened, a negative experience with the police, that they believe the footage, what are they going to do with it? Are they going to be looking at that building evidence against you? Or could they well, if you're edit... if you a crook, yeah. yeah or, or could they edit that footage no. if something did happen? People, and again, it's a minority of people, 95% of people I've spoken to this morning, they're in favour of this, but the minority, they don't want it purely based on the fact they do not trust the police. I have found... I, I have actually thought of a little f flaw in this, a little th area where this could be tweaked. You are not allowed to film the police. You can't film the police. So if you see... I, and I've seen people... This happen to people. They've seen an incident with the police and they're on the other side of the road. They get their phones out to film it and a police officer comes over and says, no, no, delete that, delete that. If you were allowed... If when the police 
questioned you or pulled you over or searched you, if you're allowed to say, I'm just going to get my phone out and film this officer... So you've got I, both sides covered. That would be good. I'm not, again, I, I'm not a legal expert. No, I know, Justin. I, <laughs> I've noticed that. <laughs> but, I mean, it was my understanding <laughs> that, that you could actually record things. Oh. Because if you've seen some of these police television programmes, if they're going out to a, a protest somewhere, they always say, be careful what you do, because yeah. everything is being recorded. People now, well, with mobile phones, they rec- record absolutely everything. So that, to me, has actually improved policing, because they are being watched by us all the time as well. And this, for me, with the body cameras, again, I think it's fair to both parties. But, for goodness sake, keep the cameras on at all times, because you know what's going to happen. Next week, I'm sure there'll be a complaint, somebody saying, why wasn't the camera turned off? Yes. That, for me, is a big, big issue. Did you have a good weekend, Just? It was very good, actually. Yeah, the, we- the weekend was fantastic. I saw the pictures. The, uh, what, the Luton Town celebration? Yeah, oh, there were oh. a lot of people, weren't there? About 15,000 people in St George's Square. Um, celebrating the Pla- champions. Plastic fans. <laughs> hey, come on. Come, come on, on, they were plastic fans. You wouldn't see those people at the football games. Hey, listen, Luton but they'll come and get a bit of glory. Seven and a half thousand um, average attendance this season, but not everyone can go to the games. People, even if they didn't like football, were coming out to celebrate a good news story about Luton. It was did brilliant. you did you um, get up on the stage and say a few words? I had to get up on stage and uh, hype the crowd up. Yes. And was... what kind of when you do a public appearance, just yeah, yeah. Um, what kind of reaction do you get from people? <laughs> oh, don't what kind? Of, I just wondered what kind of reaction you get. Um, I don't know. Really, I mean, abuse. I, I, um, I didn't hear any abuse on 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 Sunday, but uh, I think there's been a couple of things said on, on message boards about certain questions. But um, oh, yeah, on the whole, it was good. I'm sure you did a good job, mate, and the pictures were fantastic. So well mm. done. Thank you. Speak to you tomorrow, boss. Uh, for the tannage, yes. Uh, oh dear, thank you very much. Got some texts. Ian, I really hope that no one who works for the Daily Mail is diabetic. Otherwise, that would make the paper look like a reactionary, ill-informed comic, wouldn't it? Says Phil. Uh, Type 2 diabetes is not caused by sugar, but by diet high in fat. The fat stops the cells from using insulin. We're able to reverse diabetes by adopting a low-fat plant-based diet. Pippa says, uh, diabetes, my six-year-old son is type 1 diabetic. Why has he got this autoimmune disease? I don't know, but I do know that thanks to the NHS, he's alive. And Sharon, a story we did about an hour ago. The chap who's upset about the removal of the rose bush from his parents' grave, was he allowed to plant it in the first place? Because most cemeteries don't allow planting on graves. I think it was put there by the cemetery. That's certainly the impression uh, that I got, Sharon. But we'll, we'll, we'll chase that story up. Uh, Facebook comments about uh, police wearing cameras. Drake says, how long until a primetime TV show you've been nicked? Hilarious accidents that happen when rogues get arrested. Well, I would, I'd be up for that. I'd watch that. Yeah. Jamie Thixton could do the voiceover for it. I would hate myself for watching it, but I would be watching it. Lisa said, these cameras are keeping an eye on the police who are out on the beat, but who is keeping an eye on the people viewing the footage back at the station control centre? What's to stop them from conveniently deleting or editing the footage? Uh, and K- uh, KJL says, that seems like having your cake and eating it to me. Oh, being able to switch the cameras off. On, on that basis, it will be better not to have cameras than just the edited highlights. Cass going to a trance. No, it's just that my headphones only work if I hold the wire up like so. So I'm just being very careful not to move. Take a picture, whack it on Instagram. Let's, let's show the public what they're missing. If you want to join us on Instagram, you can. It's instagram.com forward slash Ian Lee Show, where dreams can come true. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M40 London bound around Junction 8 for Oxford, we've got reports a lane is blocked after an accident. Also on the M1 northbound, heavy going between Junction 13 for Bedford and 14 for Milton Keynes. 
The anti-clockwise M25 still heavy going between junction 21 for the M1 and 16 for the M40. And on the A1M southbound, queues between junction 9 for Letchworth and 7 for Stevenage. On the A41 around the Hemel Hempstead turn-off as you head towards the M25, there was an earlier accident involving multiple vehicles, causing queues at the moment on the approach. On public transport, Southern still have no trains between Milton Keynes and Shepherd's Bush because of overrunning engineering works. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Alice. Excellent stuff as always. Don't forget, you can go and download last week's Best Of podcasts. It was, we were in, was it The Times we were in as one of the best comedy podcasts of all times, The Telegraph? I say one of the best. There are about 30 others, but still, fair play us. JBS up next. Ta-ta. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Tuesday. It's nine o'clock. And on today's big phone-in, is it time everyone in this country was forced to vote? 